1: Alright, it's Wednesday. Hanging out with you in the drive. Hubler.com Studios. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. He's Kevin Bowen. I'm Andy Sweeney. Mark Dykton producing today's effort. You know it's a Wednesday. You know it's a hump day. Stephen Holder going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. He is from ESPN. And then at 9.30, Matt Painter, head basketball coach there at Purdue as they get ready for the number one team in the country. Arizona coming into Cambridge on Saturday afternoon. Colts Pacers, a tons to talk about today. KB, a very good morning
2: to you. You know, good morning to you as well. Good morning to Mark Dykton and all of our listeners out there. Uh, Matt Painter falls into the category, Andy, where I just want to listen. You know, he, he's just one that I'm like, yes, he's on our airwaves today or, you know, period, wherever he is. I've listened to several podcasts uh, from him throughout the course of the offseason as well. Uh, really, really enjoy any I'm able to listen to Matt Painter talk a little ball, and it is a large one. It's sold out, by the way, Saturday coming up 4.30 inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. I remember that was kind of a discussion when the, um, what was it called, Crossroads Classic uh, went away. uh, I guess last year was the first full year of it going away. Uh, Arizona-Purdue, number one versus number three, sold out. Indiana State, Ball State leading into that. I'm kind of curious what the future of this is going to hold as well, Andy. You know, last year was Davidson for Purdue, so quite the uh, uptick in opponent. I don't think Arizona was the first choice, uh, but that's a pretty good a plan B there for the well, brothers. Well, I would
1: say so. The number one team in the country, Tommy Lloyd and everything else. We Didn't we talk about this, Mark? Didn't we talk about this yesterday? Like lower tickets were like $2,000 for this game? Yeah, not cheap. <laughs> not not like uh, <laughs>
3: not like Pacers Pistons yeah, the other day. not Pacers Pistons. You got a free Little Caesars pizza with your $7. ticket. $7.
1: By the way, those Little, uh, little Caesars pizzas, Do they just hit different in Detroit. You ever been to Detroit before and had one from there for some reason? I, I cannot
2: say I've been to Detroit and had a Little Caesars <laughs> at the same time. You could ask that at 7.02. Hey, I, I Katie, am a Little Caesars fan. Okay. Yes, I have been to Detroit, but have not gone there and you know sat in the hotel room right. and said, Little Caesars <laughs> at my door in the next hour here.
1: Uh, so cannot wait to talk to Matt Painter coming up at 9.30. Like I said, Stephen Holder is going to be at 8 o'clock. A ton we can get to this morning. Uh, a little Pacers trade talk. I was swapping DMs with one Alex Gold. Gold call You know why I know a guy named Alex Gold? He does sports radio in Kansas City. I always get those two mixed up. I thought you were doing the pregnant uh, pause yeah. there of no, the wake-up call with I was calling the and, and then we have big news today. I looked it up. You know who plays tonight? The College Park Skyhawks. That's Lance Stevenson, baby. So I'm going to be locked in on some G League tonight. Yeah, they play the Greensboro Swarm. So tomorrow we'll be able to have our first Lance Stevenson update. I, know I thought he was excited. on the Iowa Wolves. Is he on the Wolves? I thought he was on College Park. I thought. Are you sure? College Park sounds like an AAU team. Well, uh, College Park is uh, a very nice suburb outside Atlanta. All right, I'll look it up during the break. I, I thought the ten dayer was
2: with Michael Grady's I, I, Iowa. Oh, Wolves. Was it?
1: Okay, you might be right because I was all excited tonight. I'm like, I'm gonna settle in uh, for some G League. So uh, we can dive. Hey Nikki, into th- we're gonna watch the G League here. Lance Stevens
2: is not even playing.
1: Merry Christmas, <laughs> honey. Uh, and then I think today for me, you know, I texted you this. I'm sure you're driving in. I texted you. I go. I I don't know why. I woke up today. Maybe it was. Last night, and for some reason, for some reason, KB uh, and I know the Steelers are a good team, and I know you know talking about the Colts game on on Saturday, um, and we have some Shane Steichen sound as well. You know, for me. I woke up today and just feeling about this Colts game and I know the Steelers are right now a playoff team and I know they have the pedigree and I know if TJ Watt is back, they have the defense and I know, you know, they have a nice running game and they have some wide receivers that can do some damage if they can ever get the ball. But the the matter of fact is that this dealer team doesn't have a lot of juice. This Steeler team is offensively challenged as much uh, or, uh, you know, not Patriot-wise. It's not quite New England Patriot, but the Colts have seen offenses that ain't humming, and they have seen that in their four-game winning streak, and I think you have that with Pittsburgh. They are a mess no matter what they throw out there. If it's Mason Rudolph or if it's, again, Mitch Trubisky—Mitchell Trubisky, excuse me— former Chicago Bear great, former uh, great Mark Dykton— What is Jersey in the
3: Ring
2: of Honor? (laughs) No
1: matter who it is, they're so challenged offensively and at quarterback. I know the Colts have struggled with lesser teams at times, but with everything that's on the line, with being back at Lucas Oil, with it being a nationally televised Saturday game, we saw how the Pacers reacted when they got on national TV. They balled out for the most part. Uh, And coming off such a... A Attent- lack of attention to detail, messy type loss in Cincinnati on Sunday. It would be, to me, probably as disappointed as I've been all year if they go out in A, they don't play well, and, B, they don't win. I don't respect this Steeler team. They have the same jerseys as you know some of the greats that have been through Pittsburgh, but that is not them. This is not a good offensive team. You're coming off a messy week. I expect and will be pretty damn disappointed, KB, if the Colts don't come out, win this game, and that's kind of how I feel as we get ready for this game on a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday.
2: Yeah, I don't think I'm there. I thought there was some news yesterday that if you are a Steelers fan or if you're a fan of the Colts, if you're a Steelers fan, you're a little bit more optimistic. If you're a Colts fan, you're a little bit more worried um, about things. Um, Yeah, certainly Mitch Trubisky looked awful, but boy, again, when the Colts have a little bit of uptick in competition, and still Pittsburgh still has some individuals that, I think can make a game-changing play or two. I I don't think Carolina had that. I don't think New England had that. And for New England not even having that, you know, they were what a play or two away from beating you. You know, Tennessee is a missed extra point. So, I don't know if I'm in the same boat there. Um, but I thought yesterday from an injury standpoint, uh, Pittsburgh and getting TJ Watt back to practice and him now having a chance to pass through concussion protocol by the end of the week. Braden Smith not participating. In yesterday's walkthrough, uh, if that's T.J. Watt against a rookie right tackle, that to me is like the one element to this game where I think it could it it could change things uh, for Pittsburgh. So uh, we'll get to that. I had an interesting conversation with Quint Nelson yesterday about the Colts run game. I thought Nelson was pretty candid, uh, and I think individually he was pretty poor to be honest against Cincinnati. Uh, but the run game numbers are quite alarming for the Colts here as of late and you know can they get back to what we saw in September or October or is this kind of the norm here the rest of the way and then for tonight you know it, it's weird with the pacers bucks matchup you know for several years andy the storyline has been more of can the pacers actually you know have some sort of measuring stick game against Milwaukee i mean they had been run off the floor routinely in these matchups and now all of a sudden you sit here and you're like wait a minute the pacers beat them a month ago then they beat them last week out in Vegas, that got a whole lot of, you know, locker room chatter in Milwaukee. Damian Lillard has Tyrese Halliburton doing the Dame Time <laughs> Celebration, whether he specifically meant it for Damian Lillard or not. We know how guys are going to react to that. Uh, Lillard is 3 of 17 on Monday night. Uh, again, the Bucks have lost their first two meetings with the Pacers this season. It's almost like, and it's weird to say it, the Bucks favored by 6.5, but I almost think like they have more to prove tonight. And I'm curious then how the Pacers now respond in a This is not a position we're used to with Indiana. Like they're playing the better more accomplished team, yet I don't view it as like Indiana's got a ton to prove tonight. They're the underdog though. How is Milwaukee going to look? How do the Pacers then come off of, you know, the Vegas game and the win on Monday night? It's like a little bit more of a bullseye on Indiana, if that makes sense. Yeah, m- maybe m- maybe maybe you look at it and say there's not too many
1: times the Pacers have felt like a peer of the Bucks. Bucs. Yeah, like they've always yeah, been the uh-huh. underdog that they're going to need a team like Milwaukee to not play very well. And then they're, in return, going to have to play very well. By the way, I looked it up. The Iowa Wolves play tomorrow night.
2: So honey, okay. get ready. All right, Nikki, Thursday night. Listening, we aren't Thursday, watching Thursday night football. Well, we'll put that on the small TV. Eastern Stick Aiden <laughs> O'Connell probably deserved the small TV. <laughs> the
1: sixty-five
3: inch TV is going to get the Cleveland Charge in the Iowa Wolves. Do you, you watch that game on League Pass? Is that on League Pass? You can
2: get At that. Hell, you have to sh- find
1: a Russian stream. It Mark. should be
3: on TNT.
2: Honestly, yeah,
1: it should be on TBS. That that's the case. Uh, yeah, no. It's listen. It's going to be one of those tonight. I, here's what I'm interested in to tonight, and I'm not going to be a fraud on the air. Uh, uh, I walked in today, and I, I was looking at some of the spreads, and the spread tonight is 6.5, okay? So Milwaukee's favored by 6.5. The over-under, because you know, if you've been listening to me, we've been riding on some of these over-unders. Oh, it's and we've be been doing two, pretty good. The what, 250s, two, two a half is where the number sits right now. I, I don't feel... And this this is nothing against the Pacers in a one game sample size because they've done some damage against the Bucks this season, and they're thirteen and eight and everything else. Um I don't feel particularly good about this game, KB. And I think it's solely, solely because the Pacers have won this game two times already this season. And I'm a glass half empty type guy on these things that I always bet trends to end and you're never supposed to do that. You, But Pacer fans may look at it differently. They may say... We beat, the, we beat this team twice. We're playing some pretty good basketball. Let's go out there. There's no reason we can't win this game, be in the game with a couple minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And I still think that could be the case. Uh, but I, I you have to think, don't you, that Milwaukee is going to show up tonight
2: and say, you guys ain't going to beat us a third straight time here. It's got a little playoff series vibe to it. Sure it does. You know, Milwaukee has been, you know, whatever, punched by the Pacers in these first two matchups. Again, Damian Lillard really struggled in the first half last week in Vegas. Bruce Brown, I thought got the better of them, um, and then you know he didn't play very well on Monday night in their win over the uh, over the Bulls. Uh, and, and if you look at the two games, of course you know Lillard didn't play in the first matchup. Giannis touches the ball a ton in that game, has a career night. Um, he was, I thought, for Giannis, relatively quiet mm-hmm. in the fourth quarter of that loss last Thursday night. So this is a, a, a Pacers feeling. I haven't kind of woken up on a game day and thought very often is it about confidence? this team. What is it? I can't tell with you. It's... It, guarded yeah, optimism? Is that what it is? I would say it's confidence because, hell, they've beat Milwaukee twice. Well, sure, yeah. And Milwaukee's lost both those games. But again, to me, Andy, these are one of those moments that falls a little bit more into the potentially April and May category of it of like a seven-game series. That is a whole lot different than one-and-done that Indiana experienced last week because the scouting... The intensity level, beating a team four times in seven games. I mean, that is no joke. So, uh, 8 o'clock tonight, Pacers in Milwaukee as they continue this long road trip. They will be in the nation's capital Friday. And then taking on the West-leading Minnesota Timberwolves. Michael Grady going to join us on Friday, did you say, Mark? Correct, yep. So, the voice, TV voice of the T-Wolves, of course, the pride of Warren Central. Uh, the man that was in the studio quite often here as we were in the Network Indiana studios, Michael Grady, going to join us here to round out the week. Matt Painter at 9.30 today. Very much looking forward to that conversation with the Purdue head coach. Plenty of Colts chatter, plenty of Pacers chatter as well. Stephen Holder at 8. Good Wednesday morning to you. Draymond Green was an idiot last <laughs> night. We'll explain more. It's a wake-up call with KB and Andy, 93.51075. The fan.
4: Morning Checkdown
5: Omaha, Omaha,
4: Omaha, Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan.
1: Yeah, reminder, big uh, guest list today. Steven Holder going to join us coming up at 8 o'clock. And then at 9.30, Matt Painter, head coach there at Purdue. They get ready for number 1 Arizona coming into gamebridge We'll talk with him at about 9.30. KB and company, the rest of the media, gas bags. They are up there uh, talking to the Colts yesterday. Shane Steichen met with the media. Obviously, a big one on Sunday. Excuse me, Saturday, hosting the Steelers. What about that Pittsburgh Steeler team? Here's Shane Steichen yesterday.
6: They're a physical group. That's kind of been their MO with Tomlin there. They've done a really good job defensively. You know, it starts up front. Highsmith and Wad are really good players. Then Hayward, a veteran guy inside. And then Porter, the rookie corner, is a good player. Patrick Peterson, obviously a veteran player. And Megan Fitzpatrick in the back end. Really good defense. I think they're plus 10 uh, on the turnover margin. So they do a good job of taking the ball away. So ball security is going to be at a premium for us this week, which will be big. And then offensively, you know, Pickens is an explosive player. they got the two backs that can run. So it'll be a of a challenge. Good to be home, though, at Luke Oil with our fans. That'll be exciting on Saturday.
2: Yeah, there's a reason Shane Steichen's answer about the Pittsburgh defense much longer than the offense. <laughs> uh, they have been very good on that side of the ball with turnover margin. I think seventh in scoring. And yesterday, TJ Watt in concussion protocol but did participate in Pittsburgh's first practice of the week. Andy, they came off the mini-buy. So they practiced. The Colts just walked through. Pittsburgh did practice. So, you know, when a guy in concussion protocol participates in the first practice of the week, that gives him a chance. It's a good sign. TJ Watt has a definite chance to play. Now again, he's got to continue to practice and progress through the concussion protocol, be cleared by an independent neurologist before Saturday, but there is certainly a chance that he plays on the flip side of it. Again, walkthrough for the Colts, no Jonathan Taylor, no Braden Smith. Those were the two guys listed as did not participate. We will see about today. It goes without saying T.J. Watt against Blake Freeland on Saturday would be a massive matchup in favor of the Pittsburgh Steelers.
1: They would have to to provide some help there.
2: (laughs) Somewhere on the the offensive line. I don't know if Miles Garrett, though, they treated him the same way on that strip sack in the end zone. They didn't. It was good news on Juju Brents, though. Yeah, Juju Brents was full, uh, EJ Speed was full, so again, those two guys expect, I would think they would play, granted, I don't know, that might be a little bit too early in the week for me to say that, but everything bumped up today with a Saturday 4.30 game, Colts favored by 2.5 over Pittsburgh. Alright, tonight, up in Milwaukee, it is a 6.5 point underdog for the Indiana Pacers, they are 13-8 and eight on the year. Again, if they beat the Bucks tonight, they will have won the season series against Milwaukee. Five games this year with the Bucks due to the extra game and the in-season tournament. Pacers have already won the first two. Uh, Milwaukee did play on Monday night. They beat the Bulls in overtime. Damian Lillard did struggle in that game. Uh, I, I assume it'll be Obi Toppin again on Giannis there. That seemed to be decent job. I, I don't know. Giannis had he got a sat line that was like, whatever, 37 uh, against the Pacers last week, but it, I don't feel like I felt him in the fourth quarter. Yeah. You just seem like a quiet Giannis in trying to close that game out. I mean, you can't guard him. When he
1: puts when he puts a shoulder down and he runs you over <laughs> and he goes in and his massive frame doesn't have to jump to dunk the basketball, there's not much you have to do. Six and a half is the spread. 58 and a half, by the way. 258 and a half is the over-under.
2: Again, still without Jalen Smith, so I guess Miles Turner, maybe Isaiah Jackson would be the other options. I don't know, Aaron Neesmith giving up a little bit of height, but I I thought he fought pretty well against Giannis last Thursday. So, 8 o'clock tip for the Pacers tonight. Uh, do you want to talk
1: about uh, Draymond Green here? Uh, he's uh, an he, idiot. Okay, there you what go. What was the move? Okay, Describe the move this. for audience that did oh, not see it. He punched a guy. He punched Nurkic last night. Well,
2: that's selling the
1: move short.
2: <laughs> I thought it was a hell of a spin. <laughs> it was a spin move. It looked into a little Mathis Freeney-like spin. Into a right hook. That's was it, what he did, threw. Did he backhand him
1: or did no. he actually get him I, with the front think, of the fist? I think he got him with the front of the fist, man. He's
2: going to be suspended heavily yet again. Yeah, Draymond Green's an idiot. Uh, just watched a video of What's it last night. Why is he doing this? Why is he acting this way? He is Draymond Green. I'll never forget senior year at IU when he hit a couple threes in a row and he starts yelling at Tom Crean. And I'm like, this <laughs> is
1: epic. Yeah, but at that point, that was funny.
2: And next thing you know, like Tom Izzo's <laughs> trying to calm down his former assistant and Draymond Green. I'm like, this is absolutely awesome there. Where were you sitting for that one? Were you in uh, uh, press row for yeah, that one? Yeah, just next to okay. Visitor's Bench. Right, just a yeah, yeah, little bit in that, uh, whatever that is. South end zone. Well, I there. don't
1: understand Draymond. So Draymond Green, he he he's trying to post Nurkic up uh, with the Suns, okay? It's Warriors Suns last night. By the way, the Warriors lost yet again. Uh 119-116. But he's trying, to, he's trying to he's trying to he's trying to post up, and he feels that Nurkic, I guess, is trying to push him or grab his hip. That's what he said post-game. And he does a spin move to his left, and I mean essentially catches his fist on. On the left jaw of Nurkic, now, I don't know how injured he was. Nurkic he, is a
3: big dude. Yeah, he, he
1: went down to the ground and stayed down, and they put a towel over him. And I don't know. I'm not trying to say he was milking it or faking an injury. But like there is a, I guess you could say there's a thin line. There is a line between being the enforcer on the team and just being an absolute jackass right? Don't you feel that way? You can be an enforcer and stick up for your team and do those sorts of things, but Draymond Green has become a complete caricature of himself. I mean, he's a guy that, you know, I know he was up for free agency last year. I know, yeah, I wasn't here, but I know, I'm sure you guys didn't talk about the Pacers going out and no, getting sir. Draymond Green. Even if it's like one of those things where you're like, we need a, a tough player who can do a little bit of everything, I would not want this guy on my team. And I feel like for the last several years, going back to Michigan State and several years in the NBA, KB, I would have wanted this guy on my team. But not anymore. I, I don't want nothing to do with him. And he's going to get a suspension. He should get at least 10 games. What did he get for the last one? Seven? Uh, did he get like seven games? Yeah, that sounds his, about right. For, for his one earlier? I mean, he's going to cost his team 15, 20 yeah,
6: games Yeah, the old repeat offender season.
2: is not going to serve him well. Uh, one other I, I, note again, here I locally.
5: Nurkic, um, uh, <clears throat> because I I hit him, so I do apologize to him, because, and I didn't intend to hit him. But so I think you guys have known me long enough. If I intended to do something, I'm not apologizing for. No, her. See,
1: I disagree with Draymond. He he does the passive aggressive, there was a physical fly in the arena. He was no, hitting that. He does the passive aggressive physical contact where he hits you in the balls, or he punches oh. you, or slaps you, or does whatever he does. He does those things, and then but he tries to act like he's flailing his arms at the same time. Now, it was that, like Manu was...
3: Ginobili. Remember he smacked
2: a bat out of the air. <laughs> sure, yeah, oh yeah, Maybe yeah that he saw was, a that's bat. a great it's one of the more athletic history. feats I've ever seen. Anyway, we can be done with Draymond. Why did I become the anti I, know, I did not so, have five minutes on Draymond well, Green on the old you. bingo card there. Uh, one other local note, uh, Purdue's leading receiver, Deion Burks, from last season off to Oklahoma. So Hudson Oof. Card going to lose. A pretty important target in the transfer portal. So both Indiana and Purdue looking like they're going to be losing some yeah. of their
1: better slash few. Lucas has been just players. hitting the offers, man. Yeah. I mean, every single hey man, offer. By the way, NFL going to Brazil in 2024. You care about that? Uh, As a sure. last item. again, kind of interesting. It I'm is all between, for the international It games. was between Brazil and Spain.
2: Yeah, that, so that seemed yeah. like the next couple of stops for them foreign-wise. All right, on the other side, again, Andy seems pretty, I guess, down on Pittsburgh, high on Indianapolis for this week. He'll explain more coming up. Uh, Quentin Nelson with some interesting comments. a Run game related, and the Pacers have a notable one tonight. Maybe more for the opponent, honestly, than them. We'll chat about all that. Matt Painter. Uh, at nine thirty, it's a wake-up call kb and andy 93 the fan
0: whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you
1: Kevin Bowen wanted this song coming out of break. Uh, he kept telling Mark, this is exactly what I need to get me going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's 7, I'm a little confused
2: by
3: the... A, what, is there a reason behind this, Mark? Yes, there's some butt talk going on in the chat. So I told him I'd make the first rejoiner. Uh, based on the topic, I, I throw some Nicki Minaj at them.
1: <laughs>
3: well, okay, that is also
1: not a sentence that I thought I would hear at seven thirty in the morning. There's some butt stuff conversation
2: wow. going on in the YouTube chat. You, you do <laughs> never know where the YouTube chat is going to go there. So, not, nonetheless, not so. usually sports related. Yeah, when I sounds peaked, like an excited morning in the YouTube chat. When,
1: when I peaked, it's been either negative stuff about me or it's been political, and I immediately ejected out of the political conversation. Uh, by the way, we're going to dive into some Colts here. Pacers coming up tonight against the Bucks, Six and a half point that spread. We did not mention, and I failed, and I apologize to everybody. I did fail in one respect during our morning checkdown, down. Uh, and then I'll say it, and then we'll just move on, okay? We'll, we can move on to the Colts on Saturday. Congratulations to Riley Leonard going to Notre Dame football. There, there, there. I, ha- I had to say it. Uh, that became official yesterday. I know that's very big to the man who's sitting five feet to my left. And now we've said it and we can move on to Mason Rudolph conversation if you want. Do you
2: have <laughs> disdain with that comment? That's kind of what it sounded <laughs> no, like there. I'm, I'm fine with it. You he's are wearing a Duke sweatshirt, he, it looks by like. By the, the way, way he's better
1: than, by the way, just quickly Sam Hartman skipping the bowl game to, to get ready for the NFL. Okay.
2: Okay. What do we do yeah. to save bowl games? I mean Do we incorporate your NIL deal must include the yes. bowl game? Well, if guys like Sam Hartman aren't gonna yeah. play in a bowl Again, game, we're, by we're all accounts is not gonna hear oh, his name on. called yeah. in the draft no. for you know hundreds no. of picks. If
1: he does, it's gonna be in the seventh round, right? It's gonna be uh, yeah. a free agent. Anyway, we can move on. Uh, Colts on Saturday, but I figured I figured the Bowen household was officially a little bit happier last night at about four o'clock.
2: Well, I, I was pleased with Riley. Okay. You know, well, part of me is go. like, you know, there is, you is he really that guy? But Notre Dame no, I needs like something. Him.
1: I like him. I think he's he can a, move. I think he's an NFL player. I think he can play in the NFL. How about that? Well,
2: that's all I needed to hear. That's right That's all now.
1: you needed to hear. There, Make my the playoff breakdown. plans. Here we go. There's my Mel Kiper Jr. Uh, breakdown. Uh, am I more confident than you going into Saturday? I guess I
2: just I've got PTSD feel about TJ Watt. And sure, you should. Let's go back to 2020. Um, you know, obviously a lot has changed since then, but. You know, Andy, uh, the end of that season, the Colts play the Steelers in a really, really important game. The Colts had uh, a lot at stake in that one from potentially still being involved in the division. And uh, they went into that game with backup tackles, both spots. Anthony Costanza was out. Braden Smith, ironically, was out. So they started two dudes by the name of Will Holden (laughs) and Chaz Green. And T.J. Watt made his presence felt very early in that one. Had a huge strip sack of Phillip Rivers. Uh, Pittsburgh punched that in. It was actually a big comeback Pittsburgh had in winning that one. So admittedly, there is a little bit of that on my mind with this one. Um, And I think Blake Freeland has been about what you would expect out of a fourth-round rookie. Maybe a little bit better than that, honestly. Um, but still, Watt, to me, is just a different presence. And again, he's still got a pass-through concussion protocol, so it's no guarantee that he plays in this it, game. We've seen guys here uh, look like they're
1: going to play, and then we find out Friday Correct, during yeah. the 5 o'clock hour of JMV show, hey, we're going to have some guys not make the
2: game. I would assume yesterday for Pittsburgh was even a little bit of a lighter physicality practice. Sure. I don't know, maybe because they had the mini-bye week, they they actually had a pretty... Intense practice, if you will. So again, TJ Watt still has multiple steps to progress through. But Andy, I, I kind of went into yesterday thinking for Pittsburgh to have a chance in this game, they need Watt to play and they need Brain Smith not to play. And the first injury report of the week, again, it's the first one, would indicate Watt has a chance to play and Brain Smith did not participate in the walkthrough. Now again, we'll see about Brain Smith today when the Colts have their first actual practice. But that's kind of where I'm at with Pittsburgh. For them to play, Mitch Trubisky ain't doing anything. Right. But it's does George Pickens take a 50 50 ball 35 yards down the field and kind of moss a Colt corner and boom, there's a big play? Does Jalen Warren, who's had some nice moments out of the backfield, does he take a screen for 50 yards? And then defensively, we've seen Mika Fitzpatrick pick six of the Colts before. Does TJ Watt play and make a strip sack? Those are the only real areas I see. I don't think they're quarter. I don't think Trubisky can Jake Browning you. But they do have some individuals that if they're out there when they're playing, I mean Pittsburgh is seven and six for a reason. And it's not because Kenny Pickett was, you know, an all-pro quarterback when he was out there. He was throwing for two hundred yards a game or whatever it was.
1: I, I think for me, offensively, for the Colts or for the Steelers, it's not a denigration of the talent they have outside of the quarterback. I respect the talent they have. Hey, you're looking at a guy who in fantasy leagues took George Pickens way too high because <laughs> I thought, you know, I thought the Pickett, Pickens uh, you know, union there would be a good one this season. So I have respect for those guys. What I don't have respect for is the quarterback. And here's even more so of what it is, KB. I don't respect the offensive philosophy or quite frankly, the offensive coaches for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, hasn't that been the story all year? Right, they fired uh, Matt Canada, know, their offense coordinator. Yeah, know a few weeks they ago, they fired Matt Canada, and he's gone. But it's not like that's turned around. It's not like, oh, we fired Matt Canada. They and haven't now scored the,
2: over 20 points in a month, Yeah,
1: and now the offense is humming because we score. You know, Matt Canada's gone. They scored what 10 and 18, respectively, the two games. I think he's been out. You know, they've lost to bad teams, and, and I know he's well. You know, I think people. People have seen Pittsburgh rally, win ugly games, and be there for the playoffs, but I uh, believe—this is just me—I believe, and it may not happen on Saturday, I just—I think they are a team that is going to have to make some changes. They're a team that cannot keep going down the exact same road. That doesn't mean I think they get rid of Mike Tomlin, but I think you look offensively. They have to rethink quarterback. They have to rethink. You know, you know, Najee Harris. He's probably not going to be there as a part of their plan. Obviously, a guy that's just you know hundreds and hundreds of carries going all the way back to Alabama now in the NFL. One thing I would ask you, and I wonder this is. The NFL, and there's a story up right now at ESPN.com, the NFL and the Players Association are doing an investigation. I don't know how thorough of an investigation that is into T.J. Watt, who, came, who was injured came off the field on Thursday uh, in kind of a nasty-looking play and then re-entered the game with a visor. And people may say, well, why does that matter? Uh, Well, number one, the game's at night, and you would have the visor because you have a concussion and and you're very light-sensitive. That is the point that's being made. So I wonder what that does to this week, I guess. That's my only point. Now, he did
2: say he wore the visor because he didn't want to see Mitch Trubisky play quarterback. Yeah, well... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I was wearing a visor. I was at my house. You'd to be wear fair, one, to T.J. Watt. You had
1: to wear one for, what, three years? Uh-huh, four yeah. years
2: in Chicago. Um, yeah, I, I, un, well, I guess, unfortunately, for the Colts' sake, I think that has zero bearing on DJ Watt playing Saturday or not. Um, but, yeah, that is something that the NFL, I guess, and the PA is looking into. Um, Chat with Quentin Nelson yesterday, and I do think, you know, Quentin, obviously, is an ext- he can be an extremely he will decide whether he wants to be you know super candid with his comments or not I think for the most part actually um, he is pretty honest and upfront about his own individual play or where they're at from an offensive line standpoint um, I know there's been times I've walked over to him and asked him a question and thought well that was totally worthless yesterday though <laughs> um asked him about specifically what went wrong against Cincinnati and he pointed to two things. And again, individually, he mentioned himself having an issue uh, with one of them. He thought like they allowed Cincinnati's linebackers to get downhill way too much and then just an inability by the Colts' offensive lineman. And Nelson, again, pointed to himself for one of these plays, just not not accounting for them when they did get downhill. And they made too many plays in the backfield. The other thing that he said that the Colts struggled with run game-wise was they didn't really execute their combination blocks very well, um, and I brought this up yesterday, Andy, the stat that really stands out to me about Zach Moss in the run game, six of Moss's 13 carries on Saturday, zero or negative yards. You are not built offensively, certainly with Gardner Minshew, to all of a sudden live in second and 10, or live in second and 12, or... You know, whatever. You get to second and six, and then you Mm -hmm. run it again, and now all of a sudden it's third and eight. Right. So that, I think, is a big, big deal. If you look at the last five weeks, the Colts have averaged uh, 2.7 per carry or less in four of those five weeks. So outside of Tampa, which ironically was a pretty good run defense team, uh, you have not ran it effectively at all, or even just like, not even effectively, just run with a bit of competence to somewhat sit there and be like, all right, now it's third and five and not third and eight or third and nine. So I do think that is going to be a big, big part to the last four games of the season. Can you get this run game to average? It's almost like a little Pacers defense chatter. (laughs) I was just going
1: to say, it sounds like you're talking about the Pacers
2: defense. to be fair to the Colts, they have had run game success this season. But in an NFL cycle... September and October, Andy can feel like three years ago. Well, can ago. they do this without Jonathan Taylor? Well, can they do it without Anthony Richardson, too? Yeah, I mean, yeah. there are a lot of layers to this run game that I think are being impacted here. Um, you know, Something I even want to throw Stephen Holder's way when we have him on in 15 minutes. Is Zach Moss wearing down? You know, Moss has never had this workload in the NFL. Now a again, fair question. Moss would counter very quickly and say this. Uh, look at my Utah stats. You know, I, I I was the bell cow at Utah. But again, Andy... That's now, what, four years ago. So in Buffalo, I, I'd be curious what, he, what even his high is in carries for a season. Um, so I, I think there are a lot of layers to it. I can tell you right now, it's back his
1: rookie year in 2020. It's 112. He's hit 173 this year. Yeah. And so, so it's he's a lot already more. 50 oh, yeah. 60 carries he's, over. Yeah, he's already over and obviously. Like his receptions, this is his career high. He has 24 receptions. His career high was back in 2021 when he had when he had 23. It's not a bad question, I guess. I almost feel like I don't think it's at the top of the list. Let me be clear on that. We blame everyone else but anything with yeah, Jack Moss. Yeah. And,
2: and again, I'm blaming Moss for just, you know, general wear and tear. I, I again, I don't want to act like that's the biggest piece of the pie here. I, I do think ultimately and Nelson, again, focused on this a lot yesterday, they've just got to be better up front, and I think they are dealing with a little bit of, you know, kind of the deck stacked against them, based off the lack of potency with Gardner Minshew, and the passing offense, Uh, but that obviously is going to be huge, huge on Saturday to stymie stymie any sort of Pittsburgh. I love that word. Stymie. Uh, Stiken yesterday talked
1: about the running game. Go ahead. Sometimes
6: you might have games where you pop, you know, it might be a three, four yard run, run, run. But then you pop that 30 yarder, which gets your average up. And uh, we need that. You know what I mean? We got to get some of those. Obviously, when we were running for over 100 plus yards, a couple of those games, we pop some big ones. And I think that obviously gets your average up, creating those explosives in the run game. And uh, that's what we're going to need going forward.
1: Uh, I I guess there'd be two things. Number one, why would I believe that right now, when you mentioned things are getting tighter and closer in the NFL, that you're going to see them start to run the football better? I I just, I don't see it. I hope I'm wrong. Again, I hope I'm very wrong on Saturday. And the second thing, when he mentioned uh, popping the big one, That is how you have always explained Jonathan Taylor. Right. What Uh he's explaining is what Jonathan Taylor literally does well. Yeah,
2: Taylor hits a few more to the fence. Uh, Zach Moss is just hitting him to the edge of the outfield.
1: That's the way to say it. And that's what Steichen's saying. Right. You know, we've hit some big ones. Now I know it feels like Zach Moss's big ones happen when there was a little bit more of the Anthony Richardson sure. yeah. what was there. That's how I feel. And this is it sounds like it's negative against Moss. I still feel like it's a lot of the factors around Zach Moss. The other thing, before we can go to the Pacers here again, Stephen Holder at eight o'clock, Matt Painter, Purdue head coach, coming up at nine thirty. I wanted to throw this your way. Given that they have not been able to run the football here the last couple games. And given Jonathan Taylor, uh, I mean, come on. He's already doubtful for this. He's not playing on Saturday. We can start. That's my opinion. I don't know if you feel different on that. and We can talk about uh, the weeks you hope he plays next week. To me, them not running the football is... Does it make you change your feeling on anything Gardner Minshew-wise? In, in other words, Minshew would look better if they could get into second and six a little bit more. If they controlled that line of scrimmage, the pass protection, the run protection, both would be better. Does that move the needle for you? Because I kind of feel like that's not me giving Minshew more credit. It's just for me saying his job would be easier. There'd be less... Than that Coach Steichen would be putting on his plate, I guess, if if they could run the football even okay, even average, not even for 150 yards and two touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I think so much of it, Andy, is honestly just teams, it, I, I get what you're asking. You know, oftentimes you hear, it, yeah, the run game opens up the pass or, you know, whatever. The play-action game is built off of a strong run game. For me... I think now, what are we, 7-6, and the Colts, 13 games into this season, you have put on film that if you limit the run game, then they aren't going to be able to pass it. So I think teams now view it as um, we know that they can't really do a whole lot through the air on a consistent basis, particularly down the field. So we're going to take away the run game first if we eliminate that then we feel like we've got a good chance to, again, control this team from an offensive standpoint. Um, again, first-row practice for the Colts of the week coming later today, and we'll continue to update you on that. Pacers-Bucks tonight, 8 o'clock, 6.5-point underdog in that one. Uh, Andrew Nemhard again, still in that week-to-week mode with that bone bruise. Sounds like Jalen Smith is still out. I do think this is kind of one of those games where you know Jalen Smith might be that second option against Giannis, uh, and, and now it's probably a little bit more. I I guess it's Aaron E. Smith maybe over Isaiah Jackson. Oh, I think it absolutely and is Miles Turner. Yeah. But Obi Toppin should get that first one. Uh, you know, curious Benedict Matherin reaction to Monday. Um, you know, do we see more of that facilitating, more of the playmaking, stringing those games together? Obviously, doing it against better competition. Uh, But as I said kind of in the opening segment, to me, Andy, this is one of those rare games in recent years of the Pacers where they're playing the better opponent, and I'm honestly more curious about how the opponent reacts to what Indiana's done to them now twice this season, uh, and ultimately how the Pacers then kind of counter that. Because this one has a little bit of a playoff feel to it. The Pacers have won. The first couple of games of the series, and now how does Milwaukee respond? Yeah,
1: the game's at eight o'clock tonight. Our coverage on the fan at seven thirty, and then Washington on Friday. Do you see the Washington owners moving them out of downtown? I did see that. Do you yeah. see they moved to Northern Virginia,
2: which is where Jordan Poole attempts some of his threes? Right.
1: <laughs> Northern Virginia. It's a good. It's a good one liner. You're you've guarded optimism tonight. That's what I'm sensing. Mark, are you sensing that? I'm sensing guarded optimism from Kevin Bowen tonight. A little swagger in step. I think his
3: Benedict Mathern had such a good game. Exactly.
1: I'm
2: thinking you're, you're... you either have swagger or you want Are you're around right the cusp of having swagger. It's one or the other. Six and, I don't think anyone's ever labeled me as having swagger, to be totally clear. Uh, six and a <laughs> half is the line. I think that is intriguing to me and taking the pacers there. It opened at five and a half. But I guess I'm copping out a little bit to what you're saying. I am just very interested into this is another like new pacers feeling. Agreed. You're for right. me, for the Rick Carlisle coach teams of the last couple of years of you have beaten the upper echelon team in your division. The the team that used to run you off the floor, you've beaten them now the last two times. And again, Milwaukee, there's been a lot of internal chatter with them, especially after that loss last um last Wednesday. My cousin feels like Draymond Green. Show this to me. Draymond Green is worse than Rodman. <laughs> Are we there? I think they're different. I think Rodman had lovable
1: qualities. He was a pesk, and he was entertaining. Yeah, he was entertaining, but he was a pesk. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't doing what Draymond's doing. Draymond's the guy that punches you and then backs up. Remember Carmelo did that like a decade ago. That's the kind of guy he is. Like, if Draymond wants to square up on someone, square up on someone. But he always wants to act like he's doing a basketball play when he kicks his foot up and hits you in the groin. That was a
2: street fighter move by Draymond last night, if you want to give him a little (laughs) credit there, on Mr. Nurkic, Were you a street fighter guy, or were you a Tekken guy? Remember Uh, Tekkens back in the day, or am I too old? Draymond's got a lot of gray in the beard.
1: He's been in the NBA for, like, what, nine years? Eight years? Ten years? Something like that? By the way, Damian Lillard, twenty four points last time, just seven of twenty from the field against the Pacers. And he really struggled in the first uh, or, uh in the game on Monday night. Yeah as well. So yeah, just 14 points in that game. He is 10 of his last 37 from the field. I'm trying to do what's 35 and 17% of meet in the middle. That's going
2: to be somewhere in the twenties. That's what he's shooting in the last two games. And we've talked about this before with Bruce Brown. You know, this is the matchup that falls a little bit more into kind of, I guess his height range for lack of a better phrase, you know, when it's Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, uh, or certainly Giannis, um, You know, this, Damian Lillard's what, 6'3", something like that? Yeah, something like that. This is a little bit more, and I thought Bruce Brown challenged him very well in the first half uh, out in Vegas. And that was a crazy game when you think back to it, Andy, of, you know, it was a great game. Pacers played great in the first half. The bench was huge. I mean, T.J. McConnell, again, really sparking uh, that, that second quarter run there. And then you get in the third quarter, and all of a sudden the Bucks show up. And Carlisle's taking a timeout. What I think Lillard hit the first three, and Carlisle took a timeout. And they're raining threes. They score over 40 in that quarter. And then what you did there in the fourth. I mean, that to me is probably, if you just want to get down to kind of a singular moment of the in-season tournament, a lot of people, rightfully so, will point to Halliburton's four-point play inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse against the Celtics. That was the iconic moment. But I thought, Andy, for Indiana to back up what they did with to Boston against Milwaukee after taking the big third-quarter punch, that, again, is something that, if you can bottle it up for a few months from now, it would be absolutely huge to the Pacers here in this season. All
0: right, uh, Matt Painter coming up in about 90 minutes. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
2: even Holder, and Colts on the other side. It's a wake-up.
1: Yeah, moving you through your week. It's a Wednesday hump day here on the fan, hanging out with you until ten o'clock. Reminder coming up at nine thirty. Matt Painter, Purdue head basketball coach, he'll join us. Of course, uh, Boilermakers in town here in Indy in GameBridge. Everything's happening on Saturday. Everything. Uh, the parking lot attendants will be very happy uh, about the parking prices on Saturday with the Colts happening, and of course, what's going down at GameBridge between Purdue and Arizona. And again, yeah, Peacock
2: go ahead. for Purdue and for the Colts and. Steve. Dealers, it is NFL Network locally, though CBS Four. So for no, those good, not getting out of their house on Saturday, those are your viewing options at 4.30. Yeah, if you're not going to the games,
1: uh, two TVs sit on the couch. Going to be a nice cold Saturday here at Indy. Take advantage of it and uh, some pretty good games on tap. Don't forget Indiana and Kansas. Uh, We'll talk some of that more as we go later in the week. All right, It's a Wednesday at 8 o'clock. You know what that means. Stephen Holder joins us following the Colts for ESPN.com. He joins us on the Pay Less Liquors Hotline. Stephen, good morning, sir. How are you?
7: Doing great. How are you guys?
1: Man, we are fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us here early on this Wednesday. I guess let's go backwards before we look to the game there in Lucas Oil on Saturday against the Steelers. What items, stemming from that Bengals game, what items, Stephen, do you kind of write off as it's a one-game dud for the Colts? And what items do you look at and say, this could be a problem in the final month of the season?
7: Well, the, the first thing, and I think the probably the most pivotal thing, I, I, I've got to look at the offensive line. I'm going to give them a little benefit of the doubt and say, all right, they have been much better this season, and you are allowed to have a bad week. And, and I'm guessing, I'm hoping, I'm assuming that's what that was. Now, because I think with the offensive line, at least, if you get a, a strong performance there, you can at least, be functional on offense. When the offensive line is not playing well, you you get dysfunction on offense. And I thought that's what they had on Sunday. If they have that moving forward, they're going to have problems. But again, I, I think they've been pretty solid throughout with some hiccups here and there, but, but not to the level that I saw on Sunday. Now the, the defensive issues. Look, I didn't, nothing I saw on defense sat well with me either, but but I would say the the screen passes I really think that was a product of you know maybe some missed assignments first of all, but also the the bengals perimeter weapons putting a lot of stress on the defense and and they're them playing accordingly giving them a lot of space to operate and that left them with all kinds of room underneath so hopefully that's a one-time thing as well uh, but but the, the offensive line I thought was was a bigger issue for me.
2: Stephen Holder again with us here from ESPN. Stephen, if you go back to Sunday, Colts didn't have Jonathan Taylor, didn't have Braden Smith, didn't have Juju Brentz, didn't have EJ Speed. Could you make the case that they felt speeds lost the most of those four?
7: It's interesting uh, because no pun intended, but I mean, his speed underneath is, is really a, a, an attribute that they really rely on. You know, that's, Look, we we've talked a lot about Shaquille Leonard, and and his underperformance earlier in the season, but you know what we maybe didn't talk enough about is the fact that the reason it was an option to move on is because of EJ speed and because of of the range that he has. Uh, I mean, look, he is not he is not you know a, a a version of what Shaq used to be necessarily. All right, I'm not going to ever say that because you know that was a that was a three time first-team All-Pro, but there is a similarity in the way that EJ Speed plays in terms of how he gets to the football, he covers a lot of ground, uh, has has that range. That's where there's some symmetry there. Even though he can't do what Shaq once did, uh, he, he definitely plays a similar style and brings a similar skill set.
1: Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, You tweeted this out 22 hours ago. The Colts with Taylor, 4.4 yards per carry. The Colts without Jonathan Taylor, 3.6 yards per carry. Uh, They are some nasty numbers, especially the last two games, whether that's Moss, offensive line. There are many uh, factors that go into a pretty porous running game. Do you think the running game is fixable without Jonathan Taylor? Taylor, because Steven, we have no idea when he's going to be back.
7: I mean, they've proven that they can run the ball without Jonathan Taylor. That is true. But it's also true to say that they have been better with him and more consistent with him. And I, I think with Zach Boss, look, I can go back to the Baltimore game. That was definitely uh, a great performance by him. It was also, you know, sort of a, a battle of attrition. You know where he, he got a lot of attempts. He he did maximize them and that kind of thing. But the the big plays. I can't remember who was talking about this. I guess it was maybe Sh- uh, Shane Steichen yesterday. You know, talking about how you know they have to have those big plays in their running game because right now they just they're just absent. And and the thing about Jonathan Taylor is we know he can overcome circumstances around him because we've seen him do it. And look, I know it was a long time ago, but you can go back to 2021, and and the way he performed that season, in spite of what was happening around him, I think is is something that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, by the end of that season, they were not trying to throw the football because Carson Wentz was a disaster, and <laughs> they had come to terms with it. Everyone knew they were going to run the ball, and what did Jonathan Taylor do? He went out there and consistently had success. So. You know that that Patriots game late that season is the greatest single example of that, where New England stacked the box the entire game, and John um, Taylor basically said, "Okay, fine." And now it's not to say that that he's on that level right now, but he has been, cons- he had been consistently getting better and ramping up toward what we used to expect from him. So it's there's definitely a step back without him. Look, it's not all on Tom- not It's not all on Zach Taylor. Z- excuse me, Zach Taylor. That was. There is a Zach Taylor, but we're talking about Zach Moss. <laughs>
1: Zach Moss, right?
7: <laughs> anyway, it's not all on him, but but certainly asking him to transcend that kind of offensive line performance, I don't think is is a reasonable expectation.
2: And Stephen Holder is with us here from ESPN. Stephen Shane Sykin was asked yesterday, "Will Jonathan Taylor play again this season?" And I, you know, I think he said something to the effect of, "That's the plan." um you could look at that probably one of two ways one you could look at and say that's the plan oh boy that doesn't sound uber optimistic and then the other way would be like Shane Steichen hates talking about injuries don't make too much out of any response he gives on injuries I, I I guess do you expect Taylor to play again this season or do you read something into there is a little bit of doubt
7: I don't read anything into it necessarily uh what I what I would if you if you want to read anything into it it's it's the fact that th- there isn't a firm timeline on it. I don't think there ever was uh, because it is going to be a thing from, from what I understand, at least it is going to be something to where it has to be evaluated day to day, week to week and, and revisited. And when he's ready, he'll be out there. Um, as we sit here today, I'm not entirely sure they know when that will be, if that will be, This week, next week, the week after, I think it's going to be a a situation that is evaluated over the next week to two or whatever it takes. And and then we'll have a better grip on it. And I think that's why maybe you're getting um, some uncertainty from Shane Steichen, in addition to the fact that he never gives us any concrete answers on injuries. But we already know that and we're all frustrated about it. So it is what it is, though.
2: The other guy that did not participate in yesterday's walkthrough was Braden Smith. It's looking like you know Smith is going to go down the path of playing in about half, maybe a little bit more than half of the Colts' games this season. To be fair, he does not have the injury history, or I should say probably the surgery history that Shaquille Leonard had. But I don't know. I, I've gotten this question, so I'll toss it to you. Maybe because they were picked right next to each other. Uh, Braden is 27 years old. He's under contract for a few more years. Could you see any sort of, maybe not an outright, you know, he's a cap casualty, because that, to me, in my opinion, seems a little bit too far. But could you see, like, a restructuring, given some of the recent injury history with Braden Smith?
7: That's a fair question, I guess. Well, it's fair to at least talk about what his injury situation means going forward. I mean, personally, I, I'm i not having that conversation with him if I'm the Colts. I mean, I, I just think he still is in the upper, I don't know, quadrant, maybe. Um, uh, did
2: I just use a quartile? I, I, <laughs> I thought you were going to go down the Jim say path. I was, upper I, quartile, I upper like, quartile right tackles. That's rare, rare. Yeah, I I caught myself
7: halfway through, and I was like, this is totally going to detract my points.
2: Are you so, going to tell us how yeah. to make sausage here in the next couple minutes next?
7: I don't know how, so I'm with Jim on that. I have no idea how to make sausage. so I
4: That's can't rare here. That
7: <laughs> so, anyway, uh, that sounds really good, by the way. It's early um, Brayden Smith. Okay. So, I would say that's, for me, that's not where this goes personally. I do understand questions, though. I, I think that is fair. I mean, I'm looking and at it. To be his, fair,
2: it's more availability than play. I want to make that clear. Correct. Like, I, I think Shaq was more of, there's questions when he's playing. You know, I, I think when Braden plays, you know there is a lot of, oh, wow, he's a pretty good right tackle. It's more of just, you know, he missed, I think, a third of the season a couple of years ago, and now he's looking like he could miss about half of this season.
7: Yeah, I mean, I think last year was big for him. Uh, he played 16 games. I mean, that's where I think there were questions coming out of the previous year because he was kind of in and out. Uh, hadn't really missed much before that. And then last year he played 16 out of 17 games, so I think you feel like at that point, all right, we're good. Right. Uh, th- this year, this is a big setback. No doubt about it. And, again, I don't think, it, I don't think we're at that point yet. But what you if you're if you're Braden, I think the fair right now is, all right, I have to make sure I don't get a label. I don't get labeled as injury prone. And I'm not saying I would use that term, but you do have to at some point show some consistency so that you do not get that label. So I think next year is a big year for Braden Smith. Personally, I don't think we're there yet, but next year is big.
1: The great Stephen Holder with us from ESPN.com. He's on the Payless Licorice hotline. We're talking everything Colts as they get ready 4:30 on Saturday. There, uh, Lucas Oh, You can hear the game right here on the Fan. You know, I I I don't know if I'm bullish on this game. I just you know so so much went wrong for the Colts against the Bengals. I really feel like special teams wise and a few other things. Maybe you run the ball a little bit better that they will bounce back in this game. Is it is it this easy that if they win the game you think they make the playoffs and if they lose on Saturday they don't make the playoffs Stephen
7: well it's um, it's gotten a lot more crowded and they used up uh, one of their lifelines unfortunately for them on on Sunday in Cincinnati um you know I don't I don't think they're necessarily completely in I don't think they' I don't necessarily you know give them the benefit of the doubt of making the playoffs if they win this game I would say if they lose this game though I I don't know. It's I, be I tough. Think at, yeah, at that point I think you have to win out and then you might need help. That's that's where they might be at that point because I mean the the 7 and 6 club so to speak in the AFC the teams with 7 and 6 records, I mean, this is this is amazing. I mean, it, I think it's like it feels like half the league is is within a game, excuse me, half the conference is within a game of 500 right now. And so that puts them in the mix with a lot of teams, I know they are, I, I believe they're in the playoffs if they started today. They are.
1: They're the seven seed. Yep. They're the seven right. seed. But
7: I mean, you're talking about, you're hanging off a dear life here. Uh, one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven and six teams, I think, or six or sevens. So, I mean, that's not, they're not all going to lose. Okay. They're just not all going to lose. And so, you know, if you want to be in a situation where you need help, then go out and lose to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's where you're going to be. So, I think it's a huge game. I think it's a winnable game at home. You got to go win this game. If you want to be in the playoffs, go win the game, and then, you know, then it's not a conversation, hopefully.
1: All right. A reporter's question for Stephen Holder of ESPN.com. I wrote this down last night, Stephen. I figured I would ask you. You ready for this? Uh, This is a Jake Query type question, so get ready. Oh, dear Lord. Oh, boy. Yeah, I want to know. You might need some liquor with that
2: sausage here (laughs) on this Wednesday morning. Uh,
1: We'll get you. We'll wake you up here early at 8 o'clock. Would you on Sunday, I guess Monday too, would you rather have covered as a journalist the Kadarius Tony offsides, that great play, the Mahomes whining, the Andy Reid stuff after the game, or the Tommy DeVito agent Italian kissing each other, beating the Green Bay Packers on Monday night football? Which one, if, if I could have just dropped you into Kansas City or the Meadowlands, which one would you have want to cover on Sunday or Monday night?
7: Man, that stuff. I I kind of think the Chiefs only because I would love to have been able to ask Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, like, are you guys going to talk about Kadarius Tony like at all? <laughs> are we Are we going to acknowledge that this guy has killed you repeatedly this year? I get it. They're covering. Their, they're covering for their guy. I get it. And and maybe that's what they're supposed to do. But like, and I'm not saying that didn't happen. I'm sure some of my colleagues did. Uh, impress that upon them like, you know, why don't you point the finger at the right guy here? But like I I just thought it was such it was it was so over the top and so ridiculous, particularly Patrick Mahomes, who I love. My God, Patrick, what are you doing? What are you talking about? Like I, I thought it was an embarrassing moment for Patrick Mahomes. Like dude yeah. get a grip. Yeah. Get a grip.
2: Steven I, I thought it was just him boiling over from the offensive struggles this season. That may be.
7: That may be, and that's fair. And I, I, I will give him. I think he does deserve some benefit of the doubt. That that might be what's happening. And frankly, I get it to some degree because it has been absolutely ridiculous. But like, dude, he he needed to be the bigger person there. And I, I just, I don't know. I just, I don't understand that. That was, but it was definitely a boiling point. Very clearly a boil a boiling point for him. and and some of those factors that you mentioned probably went
1: into that. I'm surprised you didn't want to eat a cutlet sandwich in MetLife's parking lot with uh, the DeVito family.
2: (laughs) It's okay. You look the wrong way, and it could be the end of it, unfortunately, with the DeVito uh, group there. Uh, (laughs) I
1: wonder if they had any sausage up
2: there. I was just saying, Bloody Marys and sausage for Stephen Holder here on this Wednesday morning. Stephen, as always, thank you for the time, and we'll see you here in a bit at the Colts Complex. All right, guys. See you soon. Stephen Holder, ESPN, right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. He brought up all those teams at seven and six. A uh, couple things to note, Andy. And I might be looking too far ahead, but okay, the AFC is pretty jumbled, even at the top. You know, oh sure, no, the number one seed yeah. is very up for grabs. But if we get to Week 18, and all of a sudden, let's say Baltimore has earned the one seed, and you know whatever Miami is slotted into the two right now, that's where those two teams are at, and they can't go up to one. We probably should note that there are two seven and six teams that play Miami and Baltimore in mm-hmm. the final game of the season. Well, Buffalo plays Miami, don't they? So Buffalo's got Miami, Pittsburgh has got Baltimore. Those could be resting games. You know, that could be, what, Tyler Huntley, and I I don't even know who is in Miami. Mike White. Mike White. Remember the Jets last year? Sure. Mike uh, Mike effing White. He had a great game against the Colts one time at Lucas (laughs) Oil Stadium. So, again, I'm probably looking too far ahead, but it's just something to note of. The Colts have got the Texans. And, you know, that's obviously that could be a huge game playoff-wise. And then one other thing, we mentioned this yesterday. If you look at the six teams currently at 7-6, and uh, the schedule strength of those teams left the rest of the season. The Steelers have the eighth toughest, Cincinnati, ninth, Buffalo, 15th, Houston, 19th, Colts, 20th, and Denver with the easiest remaining schedule of those six teams. That would be 26th in the NFL.
1: If there was one thing that I would want to see happen in the NFL this year, and this would not be a good thing for the Colts, I mean, they could still make the playoffs. It's the Denver Broncos catching and passing the Kansas City Chiefs. That would be really funny, and that's more of Chiefs hatred it, no, no, versus that, that, you love Sean be, Payton and Russell Wilson uh, that, and no, Sierra. No, that would be funny, would it not? Come on, what, were they zero and five, or were they one in five? They to gave start up the year? seventy, right? They so gave the Dolphins- up seventy. We sat in here and laughed. It was one of our first shows together. We were not even a month on the air. We're laughing about ah, oh, you gave up seventy. Uh, what does Nathaniel Hackett think now? Sean Payton. And Sean Payton's a good coach. Yeah, they were. I mean, they were one in five. Their only win. Do you remember their only win in the first six weeks? God, I got no idea. He's, he's looking right at you right now across the way. Mark Dykton, Chicago Bears. Hi, how you doing? 31-28. that didn't even count as a full <laughs> hey, win? Hey, It does. It does. To me, that would be the funniest. I, I happen to think that we're not going to get a lot of that. I think if we do get some of that, it's with Baltimore. I think Baltimore. Resting, yes, what you're saying I, it would be Baltimore resting Lamar Jackson for Huntley. That would be the one. I, I mean, I think if you're Miami's Miami, and fighting. you can't
2: get to the one seed though, and you have the division locked up. Boy, you're, gonna you. you're gonna play Tyreek. You're gonna play two with his injury history. Yeah,
1: uh, Miami does have the Jets coming
2: up. A chain's been but, banged but up they, again. But then they I'm have the Cowboys if and they have Things right. I understand because remember, since we've gone to the seven playoff teams a few years back, there's only one bye. It used to be the six playoff teams and the first seed right. and you the second. You two buys; seed it's more You get the buy. Right. Now it's just the one. So, is there that big of a difference between the three seed or the two seed? I, I guess you could get a second home game if you're the two seed. I, I, I don't know. Um, it's 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 not a
1: bad conversation.
2: I and again, just I, it, happen to be a little early team for that. You know, the Colts. <laughs> to your point, they need to worry about themselves. I mean, you probably could boil Saturday down to. Mathematically, this doesn't check out, but logically it might. You win, you should get in the playoffs. You lose, you should not get in the playoffs. I mean, if I gave you guys, if I gave you guys five
3: hundred dollars right now to put on one AFC team to win the Super Bowl or to go to the Super Bowl, who would it be? Is there any team that stands out right now? They're like they're Super Bowl favorites. I I mean, no one. No one. jumps out of me.
1: I'll tell you. it's And I hate to say it's the Chiefs still. Just because of Mahomes and Reed. Just because they've done it. I mean, that's the only reason. And it's not even anything about this year. It's about previous years. We haven't seen Lamar Jackson be good in the postseason.
2: I, one want, thing I'm I want to believe in Miami, but I don't. One thing I am intrigued by Baltimore, and again, the Mark Andrews injury is a big loss. We have not seen them even with this type of wideout group. I mean, Zay Flowers and Odell Beckham, that would be the best wideout group Lamar Jackson's ever had. Without question. So, you know, what does that look like? Um, Gosh, you know, part of me wants to like Miami, but I just think they've got to be at home and it's got to be great weather and even then, I'm still like, wait, who have they beaten this year? So, Uh, I know. Mark, what would be your answer? I don't know. I I would probably go the Ravens just because what the Chiefs have
3: done this year, I'm just like, their defense is decent but their wide receivers just absolutely stink and if Travis Kelsey isn't having himself a game, I can't I know they have Patrick Mahomes still, but I I, I think I'd go with the Ravens, I, I guess, but it's a complete crap show. Who would you say in the NFC? The Niners. Yeah, everyone's going Niners. I'm still going to go with the Eagles.
1: Actually, actually, I think I think the Eagles right now you're going to get great value on the Eagles because everybody loves the Niners and Cowboys. No and, one and, believes in my Cowboys. And I, and I Cowboys. understand, and I understand why. I mean, you no, know, the Cowboys are playing if not the best football, the second best football in the NFL. Dak could win the the MVP and then get paid by Jerry Jones, which is exactly what I hope happens. Uh, and the Niners are great. I just, I guess, there's still something I'm not buying. Purdy in the playoffs. I'm still on uh, the Cowboys. Have got you know. Have been so good in the regular season just to choke it away in the postseason, I still feel like Philly gets healthy and they're able to bully teams around and be there in the NFC Championship game. But I could be wrong. I mean, listen, Jalen Hurts, he's taking some hits. He's hobbling around. He's fumbling the football. So I can understand if you said, no, this year it's all about the Cowboys and Niners. I just, I did not think this was going to be the case, but with the Chiefs not being the super team that we thought, with Mark Andrews gone from the Ravens, um, I don't know, even, you know, the Cleveland Browns are a good team, but I mean, the AFC has let them be the five seed and they've games with four different quarterbacks. I think the NFC is stronger. I I really do. I think the NFC has come back this year. The Niners,
2: Cowboys, and Eagles, I think, are better than what the AFC could offer. That's just me. I got a pretty wild Michael Pittman Jr. stat I want to throw Mm -hmm. out you here coming up. Again, Matt Painter going to join us in about an hour. Hour, uh, Purdue number three in the land taking on number one Arizona inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse coming up on Saturday at four thirty. Arizona just scored ninety eight against Wisconsin. Andy, that saw the stat that was the most points per possession against the Badgers in six years by Arizona. Wow. They are super balanced. Uh, they are big. Their starting center, and I think Indiana fans will remember him from last year. And honestly, they they just kind of bullied Indiana if you remember that game out in Vegas. Uh, But Umar Ballo, one of the things that stands out about him, not only is he seven foot and 260, he doesn't really foul. Now, granted, Zach Eady defending him is obviously a much different ordeal than, you know, whatever, defending, you know, 6'10. Brian Butch from Wisconsin, or whoever their, you know, big guy is this year. <laughs> I think Brian Butch does is, is Ethan radio. Hack still there? I,
1: I think he does sports
2: radio somewhere around Milwaukee. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he does. I need to look that up again. You know who else Arizona has that I totally forgot? This is where he ended up. But it was quite the ordeal last year when Caleb Love decided to transfer from oh, North yeah. Carolina. Remember oh, yeah. that he was he wasn't did. he a Wolverine for like multiple days, yeah. maybe multiple weeks? And wasn't there
1: like, well, he couldn't get into there Michigan some,
2: or some BS some academic issues there? Yeah. Uh, but Tucson welcomed him in with open arms, <laughs> <laughs> Damn right? They did. And again, they've been very balanced this season, so he's been pretty uh, good too. five and five, shooting over forty two percent. Not bad. Good year for him. Great, great matchup for Purdue coming up on Saturday at four thirty again. Sold out. Inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse, you will get Indiana State and Ball State. Both those teams off to nice starts, in particular Indiana State. They've been kind of one of the mid-major darlings here early in the season. That will be the first game. I want to say it's a 145 tip, and then Purdue and Arizona coming up at 430. All right, uh, let's hit a morning checkdown.
4: The morning checkdown.
5: Omaha, Omaha, Omaha,
4: Omaha, Omaha. On 93.5 and 107.5, the fan
1: talking about it all morning quite a bit and a lot with Stephen Holder there. It's the Colts and Steelers coming up on Saturday. Currently Colts favored by two and a half. You got an over-under there uh, at 42 and a half. Yesterday, Shane Steichen met with the media. Preparation on a short week.
6: You just got to adapt and adjust. Obviously, everything's moved up a uh, day, so we'll have our walkthrough today and then do our normal deal. So tomorrow will be like our Thursday and Thursday will be like our Friday and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, but the guys are excited and, uh, obviously a great opportunity for us at home and the AFC opponent we know it's at at stake for us and uh, we got to go out and execute details and the fundamentals are going to be big uh, this week
2: so first practice of the week again today as Shane Steichen said on yesterday's walkthrough injury report the two guys that did not participate Braden Smith and Jonathan Taylor it does sound like good news on EJ speed back in the lineup and Juju Brent's possibly returning for the first time in two months. But again, today is a massive day for the, that injury report. And same thing goes with Pittsburgh. Yesterday, we did see not only TJ Watt, but on the opposite side of TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, very good edge rusher in his own right. Um, you know, he got a big payday in the offseason. Both were in concussion protocol, exiting the loss to New England last Thursday, and both did practice in Pittsburgh's first session of the week. So there is an opportunity for both of those guys to play here coming up Saturday at 4.30. All right, tonight in Milwaukee, it will be the Pacers as a 6.5-point underdog taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. Again, it is an 8 o'clock tip. If you think back to the first two meetings, no Damian Lillard in that first one. Halliburton and Matherin were terrific. They withstood Giannis's career night inside of Cambridge Fieldhouse. Pacers won that one. And then last week, Andy... As we talked about, they took quite the punch there in the third quarter in Vegas. Uh, they were able to beat the Bucks, move on to the championship game of the end season tournament. So on the year, Indiana's two and zero against a team that had beaten them like twelve of thirteen times and had run them off the floor in many of those contests. I'm excited for this game tonight. I got mean, to see what kind of I might
1: ta- I might take. I've been thinking about taking the under tonight. Actually, two fifty eight and a half. Tease that up to two fifty nine. I haven't taken an under in the Pacers game yet since I've worked here. We <laughs> tease it up, isn't that not taking the under? Oh, goodness why well, I want. No, I want to tease it up so I can so I don't have to worry He's about got another half point. So with. I got more points to work with. Uh Give me one more swoop here, Draymond Green <laughs> injected the last under. It's Such a, just a it's sad a, way to watch it, sports. It's it, it, it really, really weak, actually. It really is. Come on, guys. I'm to like twenty five overs. Give me one under. I haven't decided. I tweeted out. Lopez
2: hitting threes at the top of the team. <laughs> Uh
1: uh, yeah, well, Brooke Lopez, come on. Uh, Draymond Green uh, should be suspended, booted from last night's game. And then, Mark, during the break, you mentioned this. Uh, Jokic also ejected from the Bulls game last night. That's the, terrible. The Nuggets come through Chicago one time. It's Serbian Heritage Night. They were booing. They built everything around this night. The, the poor Chicago Bulls are selling tickets. They, you know, they have like 22,000 uh, in attendance last night. Finally, they're a terrible team. The Nuggets come into town and in the second quarter he gets ejected for I guess saying something to the very sensitive
3: referee. Yeah, it was really bad. I mean, it was just like he was running away. They were already on the other side for defense and he all of a sudden just got teed up. And like I think it just got ejected and then even the Bulls announcers were like Wait, did they just kick him out of the game? Because that's incredibly soft. It was the one it was the one technical ejection where they don't give you a warning. He
1: said something bad enough to warrant a straight ejection. Go straight to jail, young man. Do hey, not pass go.
2: Draymond was Kadarius Tony. <laughs> Jokic was remember when Giannis got ejected the night before yes. that Pacer game? And he was back confused. a month ago. I think that was that's in the second what, quarter too. That's what Jokic was last night. And you know it's bad when the Home
3: team is booing that an opposing player got ejected. Yeah, they were they're, booing the
2: officials. They are booing right, the yeah, officials. Right.
3: Like, that was terrible. Yeah,
2: which honestly probably sums Everyone up where the hates Bulls the officials right are now. at. Uh, look ahead to Thursday Night Football. It will be Easton Stick, the pride of what? North Dakota State, right? Taking on Aiden O'Connell. That is Chargers Ooh. and Raiders, both of those teams. Need tons and tons and tons of help if they even want to sniff the playoffs here over the final four weeks.
3: Do you think Al Michaels is going to go to like league meetings and be like please let us flex these Thursday night games? <laughs> They've been awful. I think yeah.
1: I think old Al's uh, I think he's on the way out. I
3: was going to say I think uh, he, uh he's not too happy with any game that's on prime.
1: And then do you see the uh, that uh, NBC left him off with their playoff coverage? See, it's going to be uh, Iron Eagle's son, yeah, right? Yeah, I think oh, what's his name? I can't Noah. remember Noah. Eagle. Yes, there you go. Gonna
2: so be doing a playoff Oof. game. Yeah.
1: Oof. Now we have on the other side, you have some Mike Vrabel sound that we yeah, can bring back to, I want to, get to Anthony to, Richardson. Kind of a
2: wild Michael Pittman Jr. stat I want to throw to you. And then yeah, Mike Vrabel had a pretty interesting comment, Will Levis related, that got me thinking about Anthony Richardson moving forward. So we'll toss both of those at you coming up here. Matt Painter in an hour. It's the wake-up call with KB and Andy, on a 7.5 the fan.
0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at K-I-S-Q-A-L-I and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Hearing Goo Goo Dolls makes me think, do you think Rick Carlisle likes the Goo Goo Dolls? I bet he does.
3: Oh, my wife loves them. We've seen him multiple times.
1: <laughs> you have.
2: I've Ashley never seen in Rick Carlisle, yeah, shaking okay. that, hands it, in their music yeah, interests. There we
1: here. go. Uh, you think Carlisle likes him? I think we need to do something yeah. music wise with Car- Carlisle every Tuesday. Don't you? He lit up. He was loving u two at yeah, the Sphere. He lit yeah. up when, when he was talking. He talked for like four minutes about seeing u two in Vegas and everything else. Carlisle so, Kowski's
2: a very. Uh, a very talented uh, pianist. Yeah, I think there's something there. I think there's a tweak we can make
1: uh, with Tuesdays. Uh, see if we have a music update from one Rick Carlisle. What he's Rick Carlisle listening to Matt on Matt Painter road? on back-to-back days. How about uh, that? I like that a lot. I do, too. Again, Matt Painter going to join us coming up at 9.30. All right, we teased a Michael Pittman stat. So Kevin Bowen has a Michael Pittman stat. And then Mike Vrabel said something yesterday
2: about Will Levis. Six straight games for Michael Pittman having at least eight Catches, Andy, if he stretches that to a seventh game coming up on Saturday, he will be one of five players in the history of the NFL to have done that in a single season. Uh, that is pretty eye popping to me that um, the consistency of Pittman, um, and sure, I think there are a lot of reasons for this. You could make the case that, you know, no one's really emerged at tight end. Um, you know, at times, certainly Alec Pierce and Josh Downs, Downs more recently, Pierce pretty much all season long. Um, he's not a big volume catch guy, but still, uh, you would think for an opposing, you know, secondary, you know, Pittman and the peppering of him with targets would be kind of high on the priority list. So, again, six straight games with at least eight catches, he will become one of five players in the history of the NFL uh, to have done that in a single season. If he does it again on Saturday. The other four names. You want to take a stab at any of them? I mean, is Marvin Harrison one of them? Marvin Harrison
1: is not. Okay. The only reason I know that, Jake had a stat yesterday. If he would have got, he had 95 yards, did Pittman on Sunday. If he would have got five more yards, he would have been one of three Colts or four Colts ever, to go three straight games. Which is saying something when you you think about the wide-out history of the Colts with Raymond Berry and Bill
2: Brooks and Reggie Wayne and Marvin Harrison.
1: Exactly. Well, Wayne did not do it. Harrison did, but I I can't give you that stat because I can't remember the answer. So give us that one more time.
2: So again, it is... At least eight catches in six straight games. If he does it again on Saturday, he will join a five-person company. He'll be one of five. So there's four other Le- names. Let
1: me give you an off-the-wall name. Wes Welker. Wes Welker. Just because you remember Brady was you know peppered him sure. and he was he was like one of the first Slot guys, if you will, that kind of really made that popular where a five eight guy could become a wide receiver that catches 110 balls a year. Before
2: this creeps into bad radio, Mark Dykedon, you want to throw a couple? I'll say Terrell Owens. Ooh.
3: I'll say A.J. Brown because I feel like he's been on kind of a heater.
2: There is a Brown on the list. Not A.J., though. Ooh. Okay. The guy that humped goalpost against the Colts <laughs> one time and then he took off his jersey and ran off the field in the medal. Oh, Antonio Brown. <laughs> Antonio Brown has done it. Who is the husband of the times <laughs> person of the year or future husband. I oh, say. Travis Kelsey did mm-hmm. it good for okay. him. Antonio Brown, Travis Kelsey, and then two guys that I just think are like methodical. They remind me of Pittman okay. in ways the Colts actually played one of them earlier this season. That would be Michael Thomas of the Saints and then a guy that I think is a pretty underrated wideout throughout his career. I always thought he just he just again reminds me of Pittman. He just catches footballs. Uh Anquan Bolden. Mm, Oh, I love Anquan Bolden. Yeah, remember he broke his jaw. Not the fastest, not the biggest dude in the world, but yeah. He's great. Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown had a streak of eight games of at least eight catches. Kelsey and Bolden fall into the seven games. So think about that. If Pittman does this for three more games, he will have set an NFL record. And he's going to get absolutely paid in a couple months. Do you hear the... (laughs) Cha-ching! <laughs> in the background see, there? Hey, listen,
1: I, I know people look at it and say, well, they don't have a lot of weapons. Me and you agree on this. Given that they don't have a lot of weapons, him doing what he's doing, to me,
2: is even more impressive. Well, again, Andy, that's there's how a, I see it. In the history of the NFL, there's a lot of guys that have had not a lot of weapons around them, and they haven't done this. So He's having a great year. I'm uh, pretty darn Good impressive by what Michael Pittman Jr. has done this season. I want to play this Mike Frabel clip here. I thought this was an interesting comment. And you know, I think back to the Titans-Colts game a few weeks ago and Will Levis, I think it was the first third down of the game, he takes off, and Andy, you would have thought it was fourth and goal in the Super Bowl. Like, he helicopters in the middle of the field, and it was almost like, whoa, is he alive? After that play, uh, here was Mike Vrabel yesterday in regards to Will Levis, and let's just say a reckless style when taking off of the football.
6: I don't know. I think uh, we're still trying to work on that. We showed them examples of quarterbacks sliding and using the rules to their advantage. I guess we'll have to show them examples of quarterbacks not sliding and getting the s*** <laughs> knocked out of them. So we're going to try the, the other way this week.
2: That
3: was the reason for the rejoinder. Why don't you
2: slide? <laughs> ah, Mark oh, Mark's Anaconda st- <laughs> last hour mm-hmm. and now slide by Goo Goo Dolls this hour. Find me a better producer out there. Very Anaconda. good, Mark. Very good. Uh, yeah, that I had to laugh. Rabel, again, let's show him the slide videos. Now let's show him the you-know-what getting beat out these quarterbacks that don't slide. It is wild to watch Will Levis and think, wait, that dude is not getting hurt on those plays and Anthony Richardson got hurt on those plays? I mean Will Will Levis his, he is reckless. his first he's Josh Allen. Yeah, his first year. Well, that was that was the hope when people when he was going through the draft process. I mean was he he Josh, Josh Allen, Allen as a runner. I, I don't mean he's Josh Allen as a player. Right. I mean when he takes off, that dude does not think about his body. Whereas when Anthony Richardson take takes yeah. off, I feel like, especially after the concussion in Houston. He slid on the first Rams play of the game. Yes, the he exact did. first play. He got a box back. cheer for that. I felt like you saw more of that. Like, I don't think it's decision-making issues with Richardson. With Levis, I'm like, dude, you're nuts. Uh, so,
1: this, but this is Will Levis a little bit, and this is the problem with these coaches.
2: Like, this is mayo in like, the coffee?
1: Well, I mean, like Anthony Richardson... He, He's, he's a, like, he is a runner. Like, he's very good at that. So now we're having to legislate that or break that down or change that. And that's just going to be, I would imagine, kind of difficult. And then on the other side, seeing Will Levis play so much in college, KB, if you go back to his first year at Kentucky, there were various games, including the Louisville game where he ran guys over, where he jumped over a defensive back. That is very much part of his game. And then his second year at Kentucky, he was injured much of the year, and he was not a mobile quarterback. He had to stay in the pocket, and they had a bad offensive line, and quite frankly, they were a bad, stinky team. Uh, and so you didn't get to see him move around. And so when he got drafted by anybody, but got drafted by the Titans, I wondered how much his running ability, uh, if not even just straight-up running ability, but the—you the, know the, he can tuck it and run, if you will. But this is totally Will Levis. I'm going to air it out, and I'm going to try to run you over. And I don't know what I don't know what these coaches can do to try to get guys like Richardson and Levis, who are different guys who are different runners, uh, you know, much more of an athletic freak is Anthony Richardson. He'll run by you. Will Levis doesn't run doesn't mind running over you. I mean, he crushed Jalen Ramsey. It was Ramsey that he ran over, right? Yeah, I mean, you've seen that you've seen that video uh where I mean, he literally runs Ramsey over and stuffs him into the turf in Miami.
2: It was impressive. Yeah, and I'm trying to think back to, um, you know, Ballard's, Chris Ballard's comments um, during the bye week. Remember when he hopped on the Colts podcast mm-hmm. and kind of gave an assessment of the of the team at the bye week? And he said something to the effect on Richardson of, there's no doubt like he's got things to work on protecting himself being one. And I I don't feel like he did a poor job of protecting I, himself. I like, would agree. I, he wasn't reckless. Not like this. I think it's unfair to label Richard. Hell, I label him even as Andrew. I thought Andrew Luck was reckless at times when he took off of, you know, I threw the pick six at Stanford. I've got to tackle that dude and make sure that I make the play. And, like, now all of a sudden I'm putting my body on the line. While you respect that as a teammate and guys in the locker room are like, damn, that is that dude's laying it on the line for us it's not the recipe to have a sustained career at all. So, for me with Richardson, you know, I know it's a conversation we haven't had in a while and it's certainly one we'll have a lot more in the offseason. I would sign up for his um self-control as a runner than I would will Levis's self-control as a runner. I agree with you. I mean, I can uh, sit listen, there I totally agree. On my couch oh, and shaking they, my head. I totally agree with you. I can sit there on my couch and ha- hat tip Levis all the time and be like, "Damn, dude, you are laying it on the line, but no. Like, that is not... Survive to the next play. <laughs> and sure, if you're in a Week 17 game and Week 18 and it's win and get in, and it's a third down with a minute 30 to go, and you got to get to the chains, and you need to lower your shoulder into Desire Franklin or Jalen Ramsey, whoever, yes, but not now. I Do you feel like the quarterback's that Vrabel, and maybe he was asked this
1: as a follow-up, that Vrabel, the quarterbacks that he showed tape of sliding, that had to be what? Mahomes, Brady, guys like that, and then the quarterbacks that lowered the head and tried to run someone over, or that got the bleep kicked out of him, as he said. I feel like that would have been someone like Mason Rudolph. (laughs) I don't know why I feel that way. So now he's showing the Miles Garrett helmet to Mason Rudolph today. I feel like the guys that got lit up were probably quarterbacks, maybe not as good, and the quarterbacks that laid down are probably some of the better ones he's seen in the last 10 years in the NFL. I guarantee Tom Brady laying down was part of that. Was Knowing Mike Vrabel was part of that uh, cut-up list that they put together.
2: David Carr just getting wrecked when he was <laughs> yeah, at the Texans. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Remember when uh, the Colts helicopter Sage Rosenfeld? Oh, do you remember that? I think it was oh. Gary Brackett hit him in that one. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is one of those Rosenfeld. things with Levis that, you know, I, I commend him. And toughness was like very frequently that was one of the first strengths people labeled sure about his draft profile him doing this sort of thing is what made right. football coaches like, like will levis right which again you can be attracted to that and that probably means the guy is wired in a way that you like but at some point you've just got to realize time score distance uh, you know m- meaningfulness of the game of the of the scramble etc I mean, look at the hit Minshew took on Sunday, Andy. I thought that was one. Now, that was right at the sticks. I thought that was one where I first saw him get, get up, and again, Minshew um, said basically he just stumbled uh, and it had nothing to do with where he got hit, but that looked concussion protocol type hit. I mean, that, that was one of those that I'm like, okay, he's going in the tent, and here comes Sam Ellinger. Ugh.
1: Yeah, well, I know there's a segment of the fan base that wouldn't mind at times seeing Sam Ellinger. I-, I am not one of them. Just looking at running quarterbacks as well. Did he this throw can-
2: a ball on Sunday, Ellinger, or was it just all handoffs to Trey Sermon? He got in late. Oh, I'm trying to remember
1: now at the end. he I don't remember. Well, t- I think he threw one pass. Look up the box score real quick. I think he was 0 for 1. For some reason, that's buried in my mind, uh, but I have no idea. Just going back to a guy like Jalen Hurts, I've said how he looks like he's limping around because he is so very much, because Steichen was there in Philly coaching him under his tutelage and everything else. Uh, You look at the last two games, both have been losses to San Francisco and Dallas. Jalen Hurts has ran the ball 12 times. I mean, the previous games, 14, 12, 10, 11, 8, 15, 9, 10, 12. Uh, he has ran the ball 12 times. They have lost. It's just interesting. I'm watching that as Jalen Hurts running a little bit less given that he's hobbling around now. Did you get that Sam Ellinger number? Three
2: snaps, three Trey Sermon handoffs hmm. for Sam So he didn't Sam have one Ellinger. pass. Oh, Trey on. Sermon, three for 13. Hey, that's pretty productive compared yeah, to old Zach Moss. Yeah. Uh, Matt Painter <laughs> joining us in 45 minutes. It's a wake-up call of KB and Andy.
1: Earlier this hour, Matt Painter going to join us coming up at 9:30. Cannot wait for that. As Purdue gets ready, uh, number one team in the country, Arizona coming into town here. Uh, that's going to be quite the matchup. You got a good front court matchup. Caleb Love, you know he's a gun. He doesn't mind uh, shooting from wherever. So that's going to be a fun game uh, between Purdue and Arizona. Uh, it's coming up. Uh, on Saturday there at GameBridge, We'll talk with Matt Painter coming up at 9.30. If you miss any of our shows here on The Fan, 107.5thefan.com. Can I give you five names? Ooh. Can I do that? Five, no. okay. Uh, Alex Golden has a podcast up. I, I, I encourage everyone uh, to go listen to that podcast. Okay, um, setting the pace. Correct. Yes, go and, and you know you can watch it video wise. You can watch it, you know, listen on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever it may be. They had five names. He had five names. Now his co-host had a different five names. He had five names that if the Pacers, Pacers, you know, this season coming up here in the next few weeks, months. We're going to kind of take a swing at a guy that you might consider a number 2. Now, we've talked about OG Ananobi and uh, uh, Pascal Siakam. Those two guys are on the list, so I want to dive into that. But I'm going to give you these five names, okay? Laurie Markkinen. That moved the needle at all for you. Oh, Laurie. No, no, okay. <laughs> you gave me a stone face, so you're not well, a fan got, of marking in. Okay, first off, I got a high standard for the number oh, two well, on a championship type. T- type I- I'm team. with you. Uh, this one is a projection, says Alex when he DM'd me. Trey Murphy the third would be a guy you could take a swing at. OG Ananobi, Pascal uh, Siakam, Mikael Bridges, who actually like uh, quite a deal there in Brooklyn. To me, that would be the number one guy. I think he can absolutely fill it up scoring, averaging over 23 a game, six rebounds, four assists, shooting the ball 50%. I had to look from three, but I mean, the guy's shooting well over 40, 45% from three-point range. Just five names. So he did I not Donovan have Siakam? No, he did. He had him number oh, two. sorry. I know I Donovan that. Mitchell's name has been thrown around a little bit. I've seen a lot of him. I'm not in love with his game. Uh, But there's just five names to throw out there as that's, you know, hey, next few weeks here, next few months, it's going to be a conversation piece depending on what happens with the Pacers.
2: Yeah, I remember saying this before the start of the year, Andy. I'm probably more in the, I was content with the Pacers activity level this offseason. I know some fans wanted a little bit more, but like, you know, Tyrese Halliburton has what? Been a Pacer for, what is this? Yeah. His second full season, yeah, a year and a half, yeah. You know, kind of let him grow. Let Benedict Matherin and whatever new role you envision for him, let him grow. And and I was almost like, just get through this season and then kind of reassess. Now, I understand that. I agree with you. By the way, it's not a given you're going to have two first round picks in every draft, like they do. It's not a given you're going to have a Buddy Heald who is an intriguing, I think, trade piece for some people. Um, You know, the Pacers probably have a couple other guys on their roster that are a bit intriguing from a trade standpoint elsewhere, too. Um, but I'll I, you know, i go back to the conversation we had yesterday with Tony East. I am still OG Ananobi over Pascal Siakam if you just said, which player do you think would help this team more? Um, Tony East made a great point the other day in saying that if you look back on last year, Andy, and the teams that won first-round series in the playoffs, I want to say it was either six or seven of the eight ranked in the top half of the NBA in defense. And the one that didn't, I'm pretty sure, was the Warriors, <laughs> which, you know. Yeah. They okay. Could, they could skew some games with they the way They can make up played. for it. Right. Exactly. I mean, think about that top half. And yeah. we're not talking about the Pacers outside of the bottom quartile of bottom quartiles of bottom quartiles. <laughs> so, any sort of move to me, while Siaka might be more offensive minded, Donovan Mitchell might be offensive minded the Pacers don't have that issue. So I I get it's a score-first league in a lot of ways, but again, there is an element of defense, particularly when you get to the postseason, that I just think rises. So of that list... Um, I'm a huge Bridges fan. Yeah, I don't know his defense. I do like Bridges. I, I, you know, Murphy offers some intrigue. I know that's a big projection that I don't think I would label as, you know, here is your number two. Right. He's on the
1: Pelicans, by the unquote. way. He averages about 15 a game. Been, been in the league, what, two years maybe? But, Something like that. You know,
2: I just don't think this franchise is in this desperate We need to push chips into the middle of the table. Halliburton's under contract for six years. And sure, there will be a point in time in Halliburton's contract where if he wanted to. He could probably demand some things, but I think you're in kind of a two to three year. Let list grow. Let's see. Okay, Matherin, he's 21 years old.
5: Well, you know, like let's just let it grow
2: a little bit more on that. And it's probably not going to happen. But I am interested to see what does Halliburton do in free agency. And by that, I don't mean where Halliburton's going. Again, he's under contract for the next five years. But can he attract? And, and that's a lot on Halliburton's plate, but I do think, yeah, based but that's off a Team superstar. last yeah, year... Yeah, that's reality, though. He has to do that. They now, need him to do that. Now, you're going to need a, a special type of superstar that's sure. going to want to come to Indiana, but if someone's all about winning and wanting to play with a guy that's going to make you better, Halliburton is that. So, uh, that is something I'd like to see Yeah, play but out. think about this. Pacer fans
1: are, are to me... To me, you know what you want. You want them to sit this year, not sit out, I don't mean that, and see kind of how things develop. You are saying, hey, we have some good pieces, but we need to exercise patience a little bit. And the Pacer fan today has to decide, do we want to see the patience? We have some guys who are going to be free agents. How does Matherin look? And then there's the other side that's saying, no, let's kind of, let's not be patient. We've been patient for many years around here in Indianapolis. Let's go after somebody. To me, if you're going to go after somebody and take a big swing, I need a bigger swing than some of these, than, than, you know, some of the guys that we're talking about. That's just my opinion. And then if you take a swing, you get rid of a lot of the good pieces that are playing so well for you. And it's almost like, remember when, remember when uh, Carmelo Anthony got traded and the Nuggets just got all the Knicks players? (laughs) You also don't want it like that, where you get rid of all these players um, that you've kind of built up and you get rid of four or five guys to get a star. Now you're, you're a two man team, essentially. And that's going to be, that's going to Be the fun, that's gonna be the battle, and it's good it's better we're having these conversations than you know the team being a five-win team right now. We're
2: talking about the draft. You know, in all likelihood you got one big swing at it. So I I, agree with you. I I don't think you I think you're in a nice spot right now with the rebuild. Continue to let it grow, watch it develop, and then you make that swing and whatever, the next two to three years, and potentially now Halliburton feels good about. That next contract, if you want to think, you know, way down the road with that. All right, we'll continue this conversation, Matt Painter, in thirty.
1: Matt Painter going to join us in a half an hour. We'll get you ready for the game coming up Saturday. in GameBridge. should be a good one between Arizona and Purdue. Uh, we'll talk about that. KB, I hate to put you on the spot here. What do you want to hear from Matt Painter in a half an hour? I know you love Matt Painter. You say you just love to sit back and listen to Matt Painter talk
2: a little basketball. Now you get to do that in 29 minutes. You know, I've always been impressed by his ability to put the pieces of the puzzle together. Yeah, I think too many times we lose sight of that of, you know, this is really like putting a puzzle together and making sure you've got kind of the right pieces around. Um, So I'm always curious, like what is he, what turns him off in looking Mm. at at a recruit? You know, what is the, hey, this guy's a four star or whatever. He's got lineage here. Um, Other Big Ten schools are going after him. It makes a lot of sense. And then Painter observes him in a setting. What does he like? What does he not like? You know, to me, again, you can go a lot of ways. Obviously the Arizona matchup and, uh, you know, Zach Eadie's season. Uh, I've Nate Oates had some interesting comments coming off of Saturday about how Zach Eadie was officiated on both ends of the floor. <laughs> I know that's always a big topic with Matt Painter, so those will be a couple things I have. You love know what I find
1: interesting about Purdue is just the way they're able to keep players. Does that make sense? I mean, it feels like they they've been able uh, and have been able to keep pieces, uh, vital pieces of their team together in a day and age where that's not very easy to do. If you look at the transfer portal, whether it be college basketball or college football, uh, obviously Edie coming back, uh, there's NIL stuff and you know him growing his game and everything else. But to me, being able, that's why they, they didn't have to go out in the portal KB and go get five guys this year, right? They didn't have to do that because they were able to keep the core uh, of, their, of their team together. So uh, to me, that's the number one thing. Now we have some Kevin Garnett sound that Mark is pulling for us. um,
2: Shout out to Ashley on on Twitter, who I think heard our conversation there about, you know, okay, what move could the Pacers make or what should they make maybe? Uh, And obviously you get the small market uh, sort of conversation whenever it's talked about a team like Indiana trying to build something here. This was Halliburton on Kevin Garnett's podcast, Uh, here recently and some very interesting comments obviously garnett having you know quite the history in being in a market like indiana
1: you played in minnesota right Mm -hmm. like a smaller market you know trying to help bring something
2: to something right my question to you is like for you mentally and and your approach to things what was your approach when you were thinking like how am i going to get guys to come want to play with me and like uh help help build
5: something and my travels bro I'm used to coming from where it's not a lot of, oh, it's not New York, it's not, it's not Atlanta, it's not none of that. So when I got to Minnesota, it felt similar. right? Like, you know, it's not a lot of expectations here. So as I started getting better, I didn't know that people want to play with people that care, have passion. You know, I'm, 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 when I hear you speak, you, you sound like me, bro. I watch a ton of film. I, <laughs> I'm a point guard trapped in the forward's body or a big's body. What you don't know is that you're playing the way you play. You don't know who wants to play with your style, the way you play, and that's what I didn't know. Um, I had a very best friend at the time named Stefan Marbury who went to Georgia Tech for a year, and we were real friends, so I knew he was coming out. He came, boom, he got to the team, and now it's him and I. So we start thinking like, man, who else can we get the <laughs> And you start changing the ideals of, you know, what this place is. It is a small market, but Giannis plays in Milwaukee. Right. They won that one, right? It's about... What teams wanna play with what players and can that team be that team? And that's what it really came down to. And the fact that you are in the small market doesn't mean anything. Yeah, for sure. Man, Indiana is God yeah. when it comes to basketball. Basketball is religion there. Y'all gonna always sell out. Y'all gonna always have people that care, booing, chanting, being there, going to go show high five and pumping gas. Hey, keep it going. That's the inside that you got that. When you're on the outside and you're in Cleveland or you're in Detroit and you looking down in Indiana and you looking at that shit, cream. but when you're in the inside looking out, That's you shit's all sunshine in here. You got you got the whole wall behind you, got fans, yeah, mm. yeah. Y'all y'all got a spirit in Indiana, and I see it in the crowd. They following you, bro. Mm. You 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 got it, bro. You little boy blew out this motherfucker, <laughs> You hear me? You were it, bro. You the Halliburton effect, bro. I'm, I'm watching you, it, it, bro. You got it. I love it, man. And I see what you're doing, and you're changing the game. So, believe in what you're doing. I see. I see the work that you're putting in, cause you just don't wake up and be like this. Keep doing what you do. You know, say less and hear less. You know, <laughs> follow that heart and what you're doing. We got you, something. Yeah. And yes, my friend, you are in the conversation. I appreciate you. you. Real shit. Yes, sir. My-
1: I love it, and thank you to them editing that down, uh, so we didn't have to. So we didn't have to do the editing. Now was that, do, that do, do. his? Arthur skipping mimicking there? Uh, I, maybe it was. Now I remember th- that was the. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. I remember Dave Chappelle doing that on a couple of the, do, do, the
5: Chappelle do, Show do, savings.
1: Chappelle
2: and пока. Arthur are probably not Man, on the same scale. You have from to an love
1: that if you're a Pacer fan, do you not? Oh, you got to love it if you're Halliburton sitting there next to one of the all time greats, but you got to love that if you're a Pacer fan. Well, Garnett yeah.
3: knows what it's like. Sure. He was with Minnesota sure. for all those years. He knows exactly what it's like to be a big star in a small market. I think you said something, and I, I,
1: we need to not forget this. In all of the free agency stuff, all the trade stuff, and it will be something that will be talked about this year, offseason, next year. Like you said, you still have six years with Halliburton. Halliburton comes across to me as a guy who is going to be on the on the front uh, of, of 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 the battle lines here with the front office in getting talent in here to win yep. at the highest level. And there's guys. I go back to Derrick Rose in Chicago. Sorry, Mark Dykton, Um When he was at his prime, he's like, "It's not my job to attract other big time talents and names." I think Halliburton absolutely
2: is going to be that. Well, and I think that matters as much as anything right now. Yeah, I would agree he's going to be that. And Andy, he also brings a lot to the table, like in those conversations, in that he can say to, you know, insert high level free agent here Hey, did you listen to some of those guys on Team USA and their reactions? Did you hear Paula Boncaro say, Tyrese hasn't thrown a pass I don't like? Did you hear Austin Reeves say, he makes life easy for you. Did you hear Steve Kerr's mm-hmm. comments describing, you know, Halliburton as a quarterback? Plus, look, at, look at the offense we're running. Look, at I'm getting sure. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting 12 assists, 15 assists every single night. The ball's going to you. And obviously, how guys in their games respectively have ascended, you know, around Halliburton and their shooting percentages have gone to to another uh, to another level. So I think it's twofold, Andy. It's a willingness. Clearly, listen to Halliburton talk to Garnett. I mean, he wanted to ask him specifically about that. It's. That and then also, he can come to the table, and it's not like he is a super score first point guard that doesn't distribute. He's not James Harden, yeah. he's not James you Harden. know, he, yeah. is, he is a guy that you know wants to get others involved and play with great pace. And obviously, they are a very high octane offense, so um, all of that I think just adds to why it is so so special. The Pacers have a guy like that and how he plays and how he acts to me, checks the exact box of what you need in this sort of market. And there's a willingness, and his background is a big part of it. You know, he was a very lightly recruited player, Mm -hmm. didn't go to the mega AAU team, and went to Iowa State, wasn't even like their big guy. We had Bruce Weber on... You know, back last year, and he was on that U nineteen Team USA team. Bruce Weber, with, this Bruce Weber, yeah, yes, Tom hey, Kate, Allen's lost brother. Good morning, Kevin Bowen. He was great, by the way. When uh, we when we had him on, he's pretty good on TV, if I remember correctly. And that was a Team USA team with you know Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes and Cade Cunningham and all these guys, and yet it was Halliburton as their most important player in that. So. You know, Halliburton's got all the... You know Word of mouth can oftentimes be the biggest thing in selling these guys to want, want to come here. And sure, Indiana's got some built-in disadvantages, but Halliburton's a pretty important asset. So uh, that is something that, again, I don't think you rush to push all the chips into the middle of the table. You have had some great signs this season. I think I'm with you. But yeah. again, y- you haven't won a playoff game in six years. You haven't won a playoff series in nine years. You don't need to all of a sudden say we're taking our one big swing right now and that might totally stunt what Matherin's development could look like or you know again what some of these younger guys as they try to get more minutes how they you know react to this as yeah
1: well. I mean I do think in any move that they make it's like does it stunt the growth of Matherin or would another team say no we want Matherin like you're not going to get if you're going to trade you're not going to get a guy for free right uh, so you're going to, have to trade pieces away you're not going to send your undesirable pieces away and get somebody great back that's not that doesn't happen unless you're the Lakers and the Grizzlies and Pau Gasol 15 years ago
2: in a headline that I thought you would be uh, on the Onion a few weeks ago <laughs> your AFC and <laughs> NFC offensive player of the week is it Devito it's not Devito. Thomas DeVito, a oh, over 200 yards in the NFC, and your oh. AFC Player of the Week.
1: Oh man, who's the AFC Player of the Week? Hang on,
2: husbands, hide your uh, wives in the New York area. Oh, Zach, Wilson Zach Wilson just won Offensive Player of the Week. <laughs> Uh, moms, you've been warned. Moms, you have
1: been warned. Really? So they, the New York bias came through. Really? The New Tommy York DeVito? bias.
2: Zach Wilson and Thomas DeVito. It was that bad of a week you're <laughs> in the, the NFL, NFL for offense. And NFC players of the week. It should have been the Chargers and Raiders.
1: That's what, If they really wanted some humor, it should have just been Aiden O'Connell, Randy uh, Bullock. And Randy Bullock. I mean, come on. Offensive player of the week. Come on. I mean, Tommy DeVito, he threw for, uh, let's see, what was it? Dude, for a buck fifty-eight.
2: You define New York (laughs) fandom in that your quarterback is one player of the week, and you're disgusted.
1: I am disgusted. I don't know. I want to come around. You know now. Now my phone's listening to everything, so I get all of these Tommy Cutlet shirts are now popping up in my Instagram. Like it's like at the real Italians. Like that's what's like me buying an eighty dollars
2: sweatshirt of Tommy DeVito is basically what all my Facebook and Instagram stuff is. We know what's gonna be in your stocking coming up here. Enough in a few weeks. We are going to adjust the 9 o'clock hour a little bit from normal Matt Painter is going to join us at 9.30 we want to leave as big of a chunk for uh, the Purdue men's basketball coach as possible here so we'll take a break come back to a little morning check down again Matt Painter in about 15 minutes
4: The Morning Checkdown. Omaha! 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 On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. We keep
1: promoting it. Reminder, coming up in about 15 minutes, Matt Painter, Purdue basketball head coach, will join us. Cannot wait for that as Purdue gets ready for the number one team in the country, Arizona, coming into Indy Game Bridge on Saturday. All right, let's start with the other game happening down the road Saturday, and that's the Colts hosting the Steelers. Media availability yesterday, here's Gardner Minchu. Sense of urgency on a short week.
3: Absolutely. I mean, there's some of both. You know, I think your process doesn't change, but I think you have to double down on your process, the things that had us winning four in a row, you know, the attention, the detail, how we practice, how we walk through. Uh, I think all that stuff has to come back in a big way this week. Gardner Minshew never sounds like he's urgent about anything. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Let me sounds just get like, there when I get there, yeah. man. He's waiting for 420 is what it sounds
2: uh, like love, with Gardner. I, I love and adore a his
1: voice.
2: 43% chance. That's what the odds makers say. The fluctuation, if you will, of playoff odds for the Colts. You win on Saturday, 63% chance to make the playoffs. You lose. Down to 20%. Again, a big injury report day. It'll be the first official practice of the week for the Colts uh, at yesterday's walkthrough. No participation for Jonathan Taylor or Braden Smith. And in Pittsburgh, T.J. Watt. He did participate in they they had an actual practice coming off their mini bye week. Uh, so he is trying to progress through the concussion protocol. It goes without saying how important that matchup could be on Saturday. Uh, tonight in Milwaukee, six and a half point underdogs. The Pacers continue this stretch away from home, 13-8 uh, and eight on the year, two of those wins against the Bucs. Uh, Andy Sweeney, you think back to last week's matchup, Damian Lillard really poor in the first half, and then I just thought Giannis, late in the game, not his usual ball dominant, here's my presence felt, playing and play out. Um, I would expect a highly, highly motivated Milwaukee team that can't be too happy that the Pacers, a team they've dominated yeah. in recent years. 2-0 this season. Just 2-0 against them this year. Yeah, I guess this is that's
1: probably why I feel like this one's going to belong to the Pacers. Uh this one belongs to the Reds. Sorry, I don't know why I thought of Marty Bredeman. I don't know why I said that like Marty Brediman would have said that. Uh but yeah, I mean I guess I lean towards the Bucks in this one, but you know, the one thing I am watching today and I had the stat pulled up, I don't have it right now, uh is I, I'm interested. I think it's 10 or 12 turnovers the last two games by Tyrese Halliburton. I'm interested, uh, you know, since coming back from Vegas... If I got kind of an off game, it'll you know, maybe a little bit of an yeah, off Patriots game themselves had for, a lot of turnovers for, Monday for the, night for the Pistons. You look at what happened with the Lakers. They were never in sync there. So the last two games, Halliburton hasn't been as dominant as he was for the last month, month and a half or so. So I'm interested tonight. If we're back, seeing 27 points, 14 assists with, you know, zero turnovers, one turnover, something like that.
3: Andy mentioned the Reds. I feel like I got to play it.
2: Are you going to abandon being a Reds fan? Are you going to abandon following this team? I wouldn't mind seeing the NBA abandon Draymond Green <laughs> after his actions last night. It was a street fighter move against uh, Mr. Nurkic there. Uh, spun, I guess, over the left shoulder. Dwight Freeney would be proud. Robert Mathis would be proud. Uh, spun over the left shoulder. Caught Nurkic right in the face. Uh, if I set the over-under at nine and a half games for a Draymond oh, Green man. suspension,
1: where would say you go? Over. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like the number I'm I'm going to automatically is 10. I mean, he's a re- repeat offender immediately this season. He just he's got repeat, back. He's
2: a repeat, repeat, repeat offender. But he
1: just got back from suspension, what, last, less than a couple weeks ago, and he's already. I mean, this is. This Did you is ever he watch punched that- a guy, and he punched. A guy in the face. He can act like it was some fake BS move that he was trying, some swim move that he was trying to do like a defensive lineman, but it wasn't. He punched another player directly in the face.
2: Quiddy Pay would do well to kind of work that into his arsenal. Did you ever watch the show Two-A-Days, the Hoover Alabama, Coach Propes? No, I didn't. I you know didn't what watch you're MT- talking. MTV today, Mark. You had to have watched no, it. No, I yes. didn't watch it. I know what you're talking about. about. I swear, there was a defen- <laughs> defensive end named Repeat.
1: <laughs> I don't remember. That's between you and Mark. I don't remember. I had Some comment
2: describing his girlfriend of like, yeah, she's not a nine, but she's at least a dime, I believe was. Maybe hadouken. The, the exact quote. Fro- <laughs> That's oh. what he gave. Nurkic. The Hadouken. Is that the Street Fighter? <laughs> yeah. Thank you for Hadouken. That. <laughs> Literally. That's what it looked like. Oh, that's fantastic! Do the Pacers play the Warriors at all coming up. Oh, I, I was trying to think well, about you know, they Draymond do, well, potentially being out. H- here's I what. feel like their first West Coast trip comes up in January. Well, I need to look it up, but I do know I do know this:
1: they do play in Gamebridge because I had a couple people reach out. Hey, do you have tickets that oh you could get gosh, me for the Warrior, for the Warriors game? Did you tell and them I'm to like text Jake? Uh, uh, and I said no. I uh, I actually don't. I don't get front row seats to the Pacer games, and if I did, that'd be one I would
2: go to anyway. Uh, I'm trying to look here. Wow, Golden- it's a while. It's February, uh, February 8th. That yeah. is a Thursday night against the. Well, maybe by that point he'll have done his something third else. game back. Yeah, then they play them out in Golden State <laughs> Friday. Now come up in a few- again? coming up in a few weeks, we will get the Ja Morant. One of the early games for Ja here at Bankers Law, or here at Gamebridge. Is that is Thursday, December 21st, so two weeks from tomorrow. If I'm not mistaken, that is like one of his first... It might be just his second game I, back. He's
3: going to do a pistol finger celebration, <laughs> no, I have a feeling. Come on now.
2: I'm just saying. Now remember, I mean, he had a run-in with the Pacers. Or at least him and his yeah. crew maybe had a run-in with the Pacers. Uh, Thursday night football, tomorrow night, Easton Stick against A. O'Connell. <laughs> that is Raiders and... Chargers, watch, speaking obviously. of Aiden O'Connell and the Purdue Boilermakers, Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilers, he joins us on the other side. It's the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy right here on 93.51075. All
0: right, Matt Painter is calling us. Uh- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Uh, here in a couple minutes, we'll have the head coach, Purdue Basketball. They get ready. Uh, big one Saturday. It's going to be it's gonna be busy downtown Indy on Saturday. Number one, Arizona. Blown into town, Tommy, Lloyd, and company. So we'll get to that conversation here uh, in just a moment. While we're waiting for Coach Painter, KB, let me throw this your way. You ready for this? Okay. Ready. Uh, and I, I'm putting you on the spot here. I'm wondering if there is a team or teams that might fit this mold. So there is a stat going around in college basketball just as a lead-in to Purdue. And Purdue, by the way, is on this list, obviously. Uh, It's a reminder. Every NCAA champion since 2004, okay, has been ranked in the top 12 of the AP poll in week six of the season. This is week six, the poll that just came out. Week six of the college basketball season. Since 2004, the champion has come from those 12 teams. God, who okay? the hell has looked this up? Six sick people who love Why college basketball. Six? I don't know. That's, just, the, that, that's the way it's created. You're they, through the bulk
2: of your non-conference <laughs> schedule? Oh, I would I don't
1: imagine. Know. So you're to finals. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You're gearing up for another big game or two and, and then you're off into conference Play Some teams, obviously the Big Ten, you already have a couple conference games underway. So let me give you those 12 teams, okay? Arizona, Kansas, Purdue, Houston, UConn, Baylor, Marquette, Creighton, North Carolina, Gonzaga, Oklahoma, and Tennessee are the 12 teams uh, that if you go by this stat since 2004, one of these 12 teams, not make the Final Four, will actually win the national title. Any thoughts on that? Now, for uh, I'll tell you mine. I think I would throw perhaps Kentucky into that mold if they get their two seven-footers back. That's a possibility. I would throw them. I've seen a lot of Duke. I don't like Duke right now. Uh, I know maybe later on in the year, Duke could come around like they did last year. They made the run. They won the ACC tournament. That would be one team potentially to look at. But again, this is not simply making the Final Four. This is winning the national title. So do you have any thoughts on that? Again, Purdue checking in at number 3 in the AP, number 4 in the coaches this week. Yeah,
2: I guess, honestly, I'm just more surprised by the stat itself. You know, I would think, what was it, um... You know, back when UConn won it all, who would that have been? Shabazz Napier Mm -hmm. in that run. I mean, they were a very low seed, you know, that year. I, I don't know. Maybe they started off great and then struggled early on and then obviously got hot at the right time. It does seem like in Duke, Kentucky, and Michigan State's case, Andy those are, correct me if I'm wrong, those were three top five or top ten teams preseason.
1: Okay, okay, now maybe Kentucky wasn't there. Kentucky wasn't that. Duke and Michigan State were, uh, right? Absolutely. I mean, Michigan State was a one seed. Joey Brackets, uh, he put out a Bracketology yesterday, and he's like, yo, Michigan State was a one seed when I started this six, seven weeks ago in the preseason and everything else, Uh, and now they're a four and five basketball team. They're, to me, the biggest shock uh, early on through nine games of the basketball season, and Kentucky, it was odd because Kentucky's always been that preseason top 5 or 10 team, and then they don't live up to that expectation the last yeah. few years. That's kind of been their M.O. This year, they were a little—I uh, they were. I mean, they're 14 right now. I think that's about where they were, and they're 7-2. and two. They took a loss to UNC Wilmington. They would be a team that I would throw in there. I haven't seen too much of Oklahoma. Yeah, I don't and mind it, to be fair, that.
2: I haven't seen too much of yeah. really any of these teams, but again, I can't wait for Saturday just to see what Arizona looks like and uh, how uh, that environment is with uh, the boilers and the Wildcats. Well, let's get them going.
1: Matt Painter joins us, Purdue basketball coach. Uh, great start to the season, obviously for them. Nine and one, and the number one team in the country coming into Indianapolis, Purdue and in Arizona game bridge on Saturday. And Coach Painter joins us here on the Payless Less Liquors hotline. Coach, good morning. How are you today, sir?
6: Good morning. Doing great. Doing
4: great. Thanks Uh, for having me on. Well,
1: thank you so much for joining us. Uh, We do appreciate it. Like I said, uh, 9-1 in the season. And and I'll commend you for the schedule you play in the non-con. And obviously, Arizona on Saturday is a piece of that just brutal uh, and challenging non-conference schedule. Uh, Let's start, I guess let's start there. What is your thought when you're putting together a non-conference schedule like this? And what do you like about your team through 10 games? Thus far,
4: yeah, you, you know, you try to handicap it as best as possible. Um, it's a little different. I think it's easier for us than it is for a lot of other people that are signing, you know, four to seven guys in the spring through the portal. Um, we've taken two guys out of the portal in three years, which is the fewest amount of people um, for a high-major program in the country. So for us, it just stays consistent. If you think you're going to have a really good team, have a really good schedule. You know, if you think you're going to, you know, have some guys where you like your players, but you don't like your experience, and maybe you don't have, you know, quite like the Maui field, like you you want to just be consistent with where you think you are. Now, sometimes you get surprised. You, you know, you want a positive surprise, not a negative surprise. But that it was much easier to do 10 years ago than it is today. But we just felt with the team that we had Um, it might, you know, with Zach coming back, it just made a whole lot of sense to do that, but you really got it in place before that. So we've tried to build our schedule up and uh, just put ourselves in those positions. Obviously we've had a lot of success in some MTEs, in some non-conference stuff um, in the past three years. So just trying to be consistent, trying to get better um, as far as, where we are with our team, you know, just trying to improve. Um, other night we we had some – we played good defense and they made shots. Uh, we, we didn't play good defense and they made shots. So a little bit of both. I thought there was when I went and watched that we did some pretty good things and they made some tough ones. Then at other times we just had simple breakdowns, especially handling some screens. And we got to do a better job on the defensive end. Um, but I really liked our fight. I liked how we stayed with it. Um, we just kept coming. I, I like how Braden Smith's evolving into someone who can score the basketball. And, and that is what we need. Um, but we have a lot of guys. We we have um, some guys that are starters that come off the bench for us. And uh, we can go a couple different directions with our front line. We can go a couple different directions with our backcourt. And I, I just really like our pieces and I like our makeup.
2: He's Matt Painter. He's with us here on the Payless Sticker sideline. We thank him for the, his time here on this Wednesday morning, Coach. Specifically to Saturday, how did this game come about? Last year, you know, it was Davidson in this, you know, post kind of crossroads classic era. Specifically, how did Arizona become the opponent?
4: yeah well, we're gonna return this one um we'll you know we'll play them I think in Vegas next year. it's kind of we're trying to evolve a tournament where you go to three different cities and play then obviously going back to the the west coast for them. if you look at Arizona's you know schedule and you look at what they have, you know they turn around after our game and play Alabama and Florida Atlantic after already playing some really, really good teams too so you know I think everybody is really trying to load up their schedule and, and do some different things so. Yeah, we, we we discussed it and, and talked about it and we went back and forth. But I think you, you're seeing a lot of programs doing what Arizona is doing right now in, in terms of their schedule and trying to figure things out. Like, how can we do things? Sometimes people don't realize, like, you get into an MTE and you get into it, like, four or five, six years down the road. But you don't always know, like, who's actually in the tournament. Like, you'll want to know. Um, if you can get in those MTEs and you can win your first game, a lot of people don't talk about this, but it really helps your net because once you win that first game in something like Maui, you're guaranteed to play, you know, Tennessee. You know, right. you're guaranteed to play Kansas or Marquette. Like, you know, that's – and even if you get cracked by a couple of those teams, one or two of those teams, you're still not going to get beat up on Selection Sunday because you lost to Kansas on a neutral court or you lost to Marquette on a neutral court. That's just not the way it works. And I think once people start to see that – now, you got to win some of those too – Like, you got to be able to win some of those. You just can't, you know, sign up for it, get your brains blown out, and then expect (laughs) you to be on selection Sunday and feel good about it. You got to win them. Like, you know, so when you schedule up, you know, now, like, if you can get to where you can split some of those and then win your other games, you know, which sometimes becomes difficult, right? And, like, that's really when you can set your seat. I think we've been six or seven years in a row now. I don't know the years where we have a five seed or a better. There's only. You know, only Kansas has done that in the country. So Elliott Bloom handles our schedule and we, we really kind of sit down and kind of figure some things out. But we want to make sure that we're not on that negative side on Selection Sunday where they look at us and they say, hey, they got a good team, they got a lot of wins, but who the hell do they play? Mm-hmm. You know, we don't want that said about us. We want to be able to do that. And if you see with our seed line, in the last five six years, whenever it is, um, we you know we've done a pre. He's done a pretty good job with that. Obviously, our players have done a great job because they're the ones that have to win the game.
2: You brought up Braden Smith earlier. I thought Saturday was. I thought that was sectional eight. Braden Smith yeah. and and his score, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, his scoring going to another level. What do you recall about your first impressions and watching Braden?
4: Well, he people called about him, and it was in COVID. So it wasn't like really fair because we had a commitment from somebody, but I had multiple people calling me saying, you know, Hey, he's a really good player. Like, you know, Hey, we can't take him. And then we had a kid decommit from us and we jumped on him and watched him. And in the same time, like when something like that happens, we've had some real good success with that. We had a kid from the NBA decommit from us. And we got Carson Edwards. Now this kid from the Philadelphia area decommits from us, and we get Braden Smith. So, uh, people that decommit from us is a, like a might be a silver lining. It might be a we get
1: no kidding, get, goodness. Get,
4: yeah, they they need some votes to get in the <laughs> Purdue Hall of Fame. And, um, and and just I watched four guys that were nationally ranked anywhere from about sixty to one hundred and fifty. You know, people that we felt like maybe we could jump in on a little bit late after this decommitment. And I watched him. So I just sat there one afternoon that I started saying, hey, man, like the guy that's not ranked is better than all those guys that are ranked. I go, but it's film, right? Which, you know, you're watching it. It happened. It's whatever. But you like to see people versus competition. You like to see people in person. And in COVID, you just weren't going to see that. So I just started to do my homework. See, sometimes when you do your homework in recruiting, especially if you've got a lot of other people that talk to a lot of different coaches i don't want people out there talking about what we're discussing because i don't i said hey man this looks like this is the guy this looks like a like a real player like a guy that could step in right away and obviously he broke his foot twice his senior year so i just started calling a lot of different people hopefully in confidence trying to figure out just kind of his makeup and everything just checked off in terms of a competitor a winner tough you know his instincts are so good, you know. One one guy, a college coach, actually called him a basketball savant, and I was like, "Well, I, I know what that means." Like, you know, you're you're more or less, you know, saying he's like a little baby genius out there running around, <laughs> you know, the, the way he thinks and the way he sees things. And he does; he has a really good feel. Now, sometimes guys like that that see everything. Sometimes they see things that don't exist. So you got to make sure that they understand that it's the read. Like, don't go in with determined thoughts. And he's just evolved that way. He's probably the only recruit where in the spring I picked up and you know, his dad's obviously in the, in the basketball world. So pick up the phone and called his dad and just said, Hey man, we really got to work on him shooting the basketball. Like how many, how many times do you call parents and say, Hey, like, you know, if you're working him out, let's let's try to build up his confidence, let's try to get him going to where he's gotta shoot the basketball. Normally you get guys that take bad shots, you gotta curtail it, you gotta tell him this isn't what's best for Purdue and you know, and you get into that field where this was the opposite. You know, he just wanted to set everybody up. He just wanted to be a you know, just a total distributor. And we can't have that when people are playing all those drop coverages. Blitz and ball screen, switching things, you gotta have a maestro out there that can manipulate all that. But if you're always looking to pass, they're just gonna play you to pass. And he's really evolved in that area. But he's always been able to score. So it's always been there. If you watched him in high school, he'd take over the game. You know, if Hafner was making shots, he might not shoot as much. If if he wasn't or somebody else wasn't going and then it was there for him, he'd take over and score. It was just kind of whatever his team needed. Well, our team needs for him to score. And so we really tried in the spring like you know hey like he had a tough tournament you know he had some, some tough games but he's our guy and, and, and you're going to have some growing pains with somebody that you know has the ability to be an all conference level player and, and we've had those but you kind of see the benefits here because he's really taken off
1: yeah he has Braden Smith up in points assists, field goal percentage three point percentage uh, in about the same minutes Matt Painter with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline uh, I'm just, I was just smiling you mentioned Maui a couple times did you ever look in the crowd and see some of the outfits that the Purdue fans had, you know, had Darth Vader mask and everything else in attendance in Maui is quite impressive.
4: I, I, I do not. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's all if we I talked about. I, <laughs> yeah, if I, if I walk on the court and I see, I always see those guys when I walk on the court oh, yeah. with, those, with those crazy suits. <laughs> I see them, Yeah, Purdue- but I don't. Yeah, uh, there's stuff going on around me that I don't think. Yeah, I'm say kind of worried about the next play. I would
1: say Purdue had the craziest uh, fans there, no doubt. Uh, you mentioned getting two transfers in just three years, which, by the way, coach, is a crazy number. Lance Jones comes in, averaging about 11 points per game for you. What has he brought to your team this season so
4: far? You know, just giving us some quickness, really kind of offsetting some things for Braden. That, that helps Braden in his load in terms of having another guy that can guard the basketball, having another guy that can push the basketball and use his quickness. Um, but a good guy, just a guy that's no different than David Jenkins. They really fit into our program, got a good way about in competitive, um, just kind of learning you know, how we do things and the the details of things. I think that's an important piece because the details are important. You got to compete within the rules that you have. And he's a competitor and got to get him kind of up to speed there. And and he's growing in that area, but um, he's been great. He's really given us what we needed.
2: Uh, Matt Painter is with us here. Obviously, Arizona and Purdue. It is sold out coming up 4.30 hmm. on Saturday inside of GameBridge Fieldhouse. Coach, I know uh, Nate Oates had some comments, uh, I think, earlier this week on Zach eating how he's officiated uh, in that game on Saturday. Obviously, that's been a hot-button topic, I think, for you as well over the past couple of years. How have mm-hmm. you seen Zach being officiated this year on both ends of the floor?
4: Yeah, well, you know, last year we had, you know, we had a stretch where it was really bad and it was high level officials reffing our game, kind of like they were refing like the rules were different. And that's the only thing that I've been able to say um, is just make it consistent. Like you, you can't get a coordinator of officials or the head of officials on the national level to say we have two separate rules. But yet we had two separate rules last year for a while. And how he got officiated was different than how everybody else got officiated. And they're acting like he's getting the benefit of the doubt, and it's the flip of it. So it really shows their lack of intellect when it comes to basketball. If you actually, you can't sit there and look at a box score, or you can't sit there and not watch every play and then go back. Um, the start of the Alabama game, like twice, he gets wrapped up, he gets wedged. No call, no call. And I'm like, man, here we go. And then all of a sudden they picked up on it. So when you go back, you got to be able to go back and say, okay, 1742 right there, first half, go back and look at this. All right, 1555 in this, go back and look at this. You can't sit there in theory and speak on something without giving support. It's like going into court and saying, hey, here's my theory, but then you don't back up your theory. And the jury and the judge are looking at you like, hey, hey, man, like, you got to convince us here. You just can't go out and say something. How we've gotten to where people that don't understand something speak on something publicly is crazy to me. That's crazy to be like me popping up and say, okay, here's what we're going to do in this chemistry lab. All right, guys? And then people that are chemists would sit out there and go, no, no, that, that's, that's not it. Like, that's just not. So, like, now, like, this allows it you know, people to talk, it's what talk radio is, you know, and now it's just gotten to a new level, but with him, you can't wrap your hands around him. You got to play legal defense. You can't stick your knee up right there. You can't put two hands in his back. You can't like any good official will tell you, you can't mess with the shooter. Any official will say that you'd like, man, he barely hit him on the elbow. Yeah. Well, if you're shooting a 20 footer and you barely hit someone on the elbow, it affects the outcome. You can't mess with the shooter. So a lot of what they've done. So we go into the Northwestern game this year and the year before it was just a joke. I mean, one of the worst officiated games I've ever been a part of. And they go into it and we go back and they miss three really crucial things at the end of the game. But I'm so excited that they actually ref pretty well for 38 minutes. Like I'm just like afterwards we got beat and I'm like, hey, man these guys did a great job. I go back and watch the film. They had three major misses at the end of the game, but I could care less. I I was like, Hey man, you you guys were fair. You were consistent. You missed some at the end, but at the end of the day, like compared to last year, you know, you guys are great. You need a raise. And so I was like, like, this is fabulous, like whatever. So that's what we need. We need consistency. The guys that go out, like we play Marquette, okay? This is a great example. We They foul 18 times. We foul 11. We had the fewest amount of fouls in the country last year, okay? So just take that for, you know, 362 teams. We are the fewest amount of fouls because we work on not fouling. And Marquette fouls is twice at the end of the game on purpose because they're behind and they have to. So it's really 16-11. to 11. When you start that game and you watch how they officiate, they get it right away. Bang. He held him. Bang. They get this. They get this. They get this. Now, for 34 minutes, we have a really good game with not a lot of fouls called. All because they started the game. They wrapped him up. Foul. They hook him. Foul. they just get it right away and now they don't have to mess with this stuff for 40 minutes because now that team adjusted marquette adjusted they were trying to switch ball screens they had mismatches you know and then the rest of the game is just easy and so that's all they have to do but when they sit there and they don't see it the thing that they miss officiating that's different than most is he will swallow you up on the baseline what i mean by that if you're the baseline official and you're sitting there, and you've got to look through that defense sometimes, how they foul him and what they do, whether they're holding him, whether they're locking him, whether they're pushing him. All right, they're, they're, Sometimes it's subtle, but subtle things don't move him very much. What happens is that outside official, my terminology is not going to be great because I'm not an official, that outside official that's at the angle, he's got to be able to look through and see all that. And, and really come in and help that baseline guy because Zachary's so big, he takes all that stuff up there. So when I see all that stuff, because obviously I go through things for you know looking for Arizona stuff, looking for recruiting stuff, and I see this stuff and then like I didn't listen to that guy who spoke on another day, but I see like just whatever the headlines are because I'm not reading it. Um, every now and then I'll jump into it and read it. It's crazy to me because you got to be able – the good ones that go out that, that follow basketball, they always just – you know, they always will show the clips to support what they're saying. But it's just the consistency of refing and understanding that you can't go in as a ref as a theory and say, here, we're going to let you play today, guys, we're going to call it close today, guys. You've got to call – The fouls that are in front of you, you gotta, you know, you gotta understand advantage, disadvantage, but you also gotta be together as a crew. So if you got a new crew and they come into the game and they've never watched clips on Zach Eadie or they've never watched Purdue play, you gotta do your homework. Like I'm watching Arizona, Tommy Lloyd's watching Purdue. If we got three officials on our game on Saturday and they've never went through and watched Arizona play or watched Purdue play and they don't have a feel for those things, then they're not doing their homework. But on a guy like this that's different like that, you just got to know. You got to know what's real. You got to know what's fake. You got to know what affects things. And then you got to be consistent. To be able to go at the end and say, hey, he gets fouled, you know, the most and he gets called the most, you know, and then not look at the real game and say, hey, man, you know, he gets the, – the reason he gets away with stuff, like sometimes he fouls and doesn't get it called and coaches lose their mind is because those officials as human beings, they know that they're passing on stuff at the other end. And even though he's getting the most calls, he still gets passed on those calls the most. So now they're sitting there going, dang, that could have been a foul. That could have been a foul. I didn't call that. So then Zachary fouls at the other end, and then they're like, well, <laughs> I'm letting him get fouled. So you, you get into that whole mind game of things, and you don't have to get there. Just call them. And then when the when they do call the easy and the obvious ones, he's, he's running through lineups. You know, he's, he's fouled out the starter. He's fouled out the power forward. He's fouled out the backup center. And now it just accumulates. And now we're living at the free throw line, which we want to do. So that's all we want. You know, we want the same rules for him as everybody else.
2: He is Matt Painter. And again, Purdue in Arizona coming up 4.30 on Saturday. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Last one I wanted to throw your way. You mentioned earlier about Braden Smith and you kind of laid out some of the qualities that you liked about him in the recruiting process. I want to flip it the other way. What turns you off from a recruit, whether it's what you're watching on the floor or what you potentially have to deal with off the floor?
4: Yeah, you know, it's more or, more or less like when you you get everybody. You have to understand that. So if I sign a player, you you get them all, you get Uncle Billy, you get their parents, you get their coaches, I mean, just be consistent, you know, as a coach of knowing, Hey, this has worked for me and this hasn't worked for me and and, and don't put any personal strikes on it. It's just sometimes things work for you at a certain school or a certain conference or a certain personality or whatever it might be. So just try to understand what's worked and what hasn't worked and, and stay with that and understand how they fit in and how they're going to come in. Because you can get some guys that are really hard workers, but is their passion basketball? Their passion has to be basketball because it's going to get hard and it's going to get tough, and you got to be able to fight through adversity. So our staff has done a really good job. Um, People put a big emphasis on recruiting. I put a big emphasis on evaluation, knowing who you're getting, knowing who you're signing. Can they come in and be able to play right away? If they don't, can you still grow them to where now they have a chance to develop and and, and help your team down the road and kind of live and understand what's worked? So, um, you know, for us, you got to get out there and watch, too, and don't let other people do your work. Like, I really like certain guys and, like, other people don't. And then, like, they come back and say, well, how did you see that? Well, Shot 48% from three. He had a three-to-one assist turnover ratio. He makes 84% of his free throws. He lives in the gym. He's a simple person. He has no baggage. His parents are cool. Um, like, you know what I mean? I don't want to deal with crap. I just don't want to deal with it. And so, like, if somebody, like, is a really good player and all this, but then the, the person that's handling them, you know, is, you know, is a pain in the ass, like, I don't want to deal with it. So I just go another direction. Before you take, but then you get mad and you're like, what do you mean? the The guy that's next to him was a pain in the ass of the AAU coach. And when they start complaining on the phone to me about the AAU coach and the high school coach, <laughs> oh hey guys get, guess who's next <laughs> yeah. The old college coach. He's next. And so it's like, like they'll be like, whenever they ask me stuff, I always say, Hey coach, what do you think? I said, I think I want to coach him in college. And they go, well, what do you mean? Like, no, no, no. What do you think about like this right here? I go, no, I'm, I'm not doing that to somebody that people do that to me. Like, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to say, like, hey, man, why would you do that and say that about me when you've never been in our practices, you've never even met me, you don't even know how I treat people. Like, like why would you do that? So I'm not going to flip around and now do that to a high school coach, whether right, wrong, or indifferent. I'm going to support him and say, like, hey, man, he's the high school coach. He's in charge. Like, that's that's just that. I'm, I'm, I just want to coach him in college. Yeah, but, you know, what do you think here? So they get into all that and they make it worse. And it's just like back up. That's what I always say, like, you know, hey, with my kids, I just, just be their dad. Period. Don't be their coach. Like, be their dad. Like, I'm the coach of the players I'm producing. I'm not somebody else's coach. If you want to come and join our team, now I'm your coach. But, like, just keep things in checks and balances. And I think it really helps the kid because they get a lot of pressure on. Them. They get a lot of things coming their way. And they read everything. So like they get on a high level when they do well, because so many nice things get said and all of a sudden like, Hey, you're nine and one and you lose one game and now you're the worst player in the world. No, you're not the worst player in the world. You had a tough game. We got outplayed. Let's try to fix it. Let's work on it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's basketball. Like it's not who you are. And sometimes when you're younger, you kind of look at that and get that twisted. It's our job to make sure we keep things in perspective for our players.
2: Should be a lot of black and gold in the building Saturday afternoon and hopefully again in March for a couple games for Matt Painter's Boilers. Coach, can't thank you enough for the time on this Wednesday morning. Safe travels down here, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. Cool. Thanks, guys. That is Matt Painter right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Uh, that's some
1: good basketball stuff right there, KB.
2: Man, I can basketball nerd <laughs> out and listen to Matt Painter a whole whole lot. I, like I didn't want to, you know, interject. No. I just want to let him go. You wanted to push Greeny out oh, of the man. way, man. I was Get like, Greenberg Mark, can we stretch till ten 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 fifteen? <laughs> well, I feel bad
1: for Scotty because he's here, and I, do. We have time for I, the uh, I,
2: pop I, quiz today. I, we, I do we not appreciate Jiffy loop, do. but I don't think we do. Scotty, apologies <laughs> on that end. Matt Painter, that will be up on the podcast, Mark. I assume we'll splice that out individually. We'll uh, do some
1: splicing. You don't worry about Dykton. He'll splice away. I, I think that one will yeah. be a standalone pod mm-hmm. right there. He'll yeah. splice away. Great stuff. From I mean, Matt Painter. Boy, he pays attention to what people are saying about, about Zach Eadie and fouling Zach Eadie and officials and everything uh, and everything else. But he's right on. I mean, he's spot on. And again, I, I don't know. I've got a little bit of...
2: Man crush feel about Braden Smith? If I want to be totally honest, hey, like all of his numbers are remarkably better this season. All they are them. obviously not the same height. I don't know if they're the same player, but I watch Tyrese Halliburton quarterback the Pacers, and I watch Braden Smith quarterback Purdue, and I get similar vibes. Uh, that might be too high praise for Braden Smith, but I think he is that. Does for he need to start skipping to make you I, happy? I don't know if we need an Arthur he, skipping uh, <laughs> session out of Braden Smith, <laughs> but I, I thought that was some really. Interesting stuff on that recruitment. You know, you kind of forget about the COVID sure. recruitments, and you know how the decommitments can well, who do, turn who, out. Who positively. decommitted? Do
1: you remember? Because I know, just can't. I, I, he I, mentioned
2: the the Philly area, but you know, I
1: wasn't yeah, following. I would Blue. have to
2: double check that. I remember they had a kid that decommitted, that he started his career at in Lafayette, his high school career, and then gotcha. moved on. But I would have to double-check that and look that it's up. It's going to
1: so, be quite the game, man. I mean, Arizona's over 90 points a game. Purdue can throw up 85 at any time. It's be a
2: game. Not just super balanced. They've got legit height. And guys that, you know, do not foul has been their kind of M.O. But again, defending Zach Eady is quite, quite the challenge. So credit to Tommy Loy. Credit to, to Matt Painter for making this happen. How about Arizona? At Duke earlier this year? And now they're coming to Indy to take on Purdue. And as Matt Painter told us, they'll return the favor in Vegas coming up next year. Pacers-Bucks tonight, 8 o'clock. Our coverage begins at 7.30. Thank you to Stephen Holder. Thank you to Matt Painter. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We'll talk to you tomorrow.